Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What's up, what's up? Gypsy gang, we are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And today, my good friend, one of, I would say... One of my mentors in business and in this industry, Adam Bailey, joins us on the podcast. Before I talk any more about Lord Bailey himself, just got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Huge thank you to the guys at Boost Mobile. Uh, you've been listening to the show for a while. You know that we have been partners with this guy, these guys for almost two years now, and they, they've just never let us down. They've never let us down in the, uh, the sense of sponsorship for the show and supporting what we do. They've also never let us down when we've been traveling using bulk amounts of data. Uh, these guys are a staple of the Gypsy Gang program. Also, we are brought to you by the guys at MX Store. Uh, this has been definitely my favorite place to shop this year. Uh, every time we go riding, it seems like you just got to make a cheeky little pit stop into their Burley location. Uh, if you're not in Burley, like we are lucky enough to be, uh, same day shipping uh, is available through the guys at MX Store if you get in before 2 p.m., I do believe. So mxstore.com.au for all of your dirt bike parts and accessories. If you need to get stickers for that bike that you just decorated from MX Store, uh, you need to look no further than the guys at Rival Inc. RivalIncDesignCo.com. Uh, I just saw on their Instagram the other day they're doing 2021 Honda graphics already. Damn! Can't wait to see some of those on the track. Can't wait to ride one of those too, actually. Uh, big congratulations to them. They've just got this new cutter that is in. Their wait times have dropped dramatically. Uh, so... Just a huge shout out to those guys. They've absolutely been killing it. Uh, quick shout out to the guys at Motorex Oils, always keeping that 350 of mine lubed up nicely. We'll have some of that going in the Weisinger as well, as well as the Screaming Eagle. Uh, Max's tires, man, so lucky to have a Maxxis sand tire on at Rockhampton. I'm pretty sure that we're still going to be doing a podcast with uh, Sammy and Barra Jack doing a bit of a run rundown of our trip to Cairns and Rocky, but man, those tires were insane. Uh, also, the first time I've got to ride their intermediate tire as well, I put one of those on after Rocky uh, to do our riding in Cairns, and I really, really enjoyed that rear tire, actually. Uh, 
Also, by the guys at Cricks. Speaking of KTMs and riding and all that jazz, if you buy any new or used car from Cricks right now, uh, you go in the draw to win a brand new 2020 KTM. Uh, I might just go buy an AU Falcon to go drift with Troy Candy just so I can go in the draw. So hopefully they've got an AU in stock. Uh, you can head to crickstweed.com.au or call the dealership and ask for Kyle. He is the legend uh, that helps us out over there. Uh, big shout out to Sam at Fist Handwear. Uh, I've been riding in some of the new product that is about to come out. I'm pretty sure they've got the mesh gloves out already, but these new ones are just insane. They're, they're honestly the best gloves I've ever worn. I'm excited for those to be out. Also excited. Uh, we've ordered some more Fist gloves with uh, for Gypsy Tales merch too so uh, excited for them to come out and a big congratulations is in order for the launch of the Daryl Fist Australia's very own Dixon Flannel they sold out in 48 hours so Sammy, the crew you are lords and you're absolutely killing it a little bit of housekeeping I've got an article on the 350 coming out uh, that I wrote for KTM as a part of our little deal to help make that bike happen uh, I'll be posting that this week uh, please subscribe on our YouTube channel if you if you're like unsure about watching or listening to a full podcast when you see it come up in your audio feed just go over to our YouTube we've got little bite size pieces you know four five six minute segments just to see if i'm being a dickhead on that day and you actually don't even want to listen to me that day um but yeah that's a good way to you know break the podcast up into little chunks so i would appreciate a sub over on the youtube um and a share on instagram never goes astray thank you to all the people that always continually share the podcast absolutely love that shit you can buy merch at gypsytales.com all right adam bailey in this episode, we talk about OzX Open, the Marvel event that was absolutely sensational, what it meant for the industry after that, what it meant for me uh, personally with the podcast. We talk about the Supercross series as a whole, um, how we are going to try and improve that for 2021 as an industry. We also touch on a new foundation that the boys are creating uh, that will be a nonprofit that will be going directly into grants for clubs uh, and tracks all over Australia. Super excited about that. And we also talked about the 2021, how the fuck are we going to save motocross? Uh, this was a great episode. Like I said, Bailey is, he's a absolute legend. He's a guy that I look up to a lot in business and in life. Uh, I'm so pumped that he moved from Melbourne to Goldie and is a, a part of the crew that we have going on here. So enjoy this episode. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, had that in my hip today. Did you? Yeah. Santa said that. Oh, has he? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it was. Um, my hip hurts, but he said it. He said it at her. Mm. But yeah, I'm just sick of being in daily pain, dude. Uh, whereabouts are you? In, in my every, hip. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, in the front bit of my hip. Um, Lord Bailey, welcome to the show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so. Adam Bailey is in the studio, everybody, and we're going again for another uh, Gypsy Tales podcast. We're gonna do. Feel like we'll probably start with uh, a bit of post Marvel catch up because yeah. it'd be cool to obviously before the last time you guys come in was uh, before the event, so now that's done. Mm. But yeah, anyway, just in that front bit of my hip and then my hip. So, and I've got the dude that does. He's the guy that does all of um, Stephen Gall's stuff. 
same when Gawley gets like the stem cells and shit it's from this dude and he's been doing my dad mm. and then I've gone back to him today to do the PRP mate Sando's all over it you should talk to him he's got stem cells as well he's stem where cell. did he do them I couldn't tell you Julian Freitag I think is the is nah like, what part of his body oh hips as well oh really yeah yeah right yeah yeah I mean like the one part in the front was instant relief because it, it was like nerve it's because like dude I crashed like four months ago fuck and it's still just every day I wake up it's the exact same pain in my hips you know when like you tense your body when you first wake up mm. that just pain every day it doesn't change and then I've just been trying to pull, push through it but that was like this nerve pain that he said I was getting so then he's like put this um, needle with the PRP and it, like you watch it ex- expand on the ultrasound and you can see the nerve like in the middle of this fluid and it gives it relief but um, but the one in my hip just fucking hurts. I haven't felt nothing good from that yet. But he said he would. So, mate, technology. We're getting you old, Bailey. Yeah, we're getting it. old. Yeah, exactly. Back in my day. <laughs> Back in my, we didn't have none of that fancy <laughs> shit. Uh, how's Queensland life, mate? I already know the answer, but let's tell the people you've moved from Victoria to Queensland. Yeah, mate, it's awesome. I mean, um, you know, we were Mexican border jumpers, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> at, at, in uh, August, second week of August, when the the second wave started coming through Melbourne, my my wife Kelly and I were just like, let's get out of here, load up the car, and we left the next day. So, literally, we left our house with stuff washing everywhere, stuff everywhere, some stuff in the fridge, and just like loaded the car up and left. And then they shut the borders to cars. Literally the next day after we got through, but oh. we, we came through, did the two week quarantine. Um, and uh, have been loving it ever since, to be honest. Yeah, we, I had uh, Troy Candy on the podcast this week or whenever, I think it was earlier this week, and um, we sort of went through like some gnarly, like a lot of the negatives that have come out of COVID, but I feel like you've got some positives that have come out of it as well because you had, your daughter was born pretty much right when this stuff started going down and like I personally know your schedule, like how much you work and you're a dude that loves to put in the the ot but this has actually given you crazy amount of time to spend with your daughter which is kind of a silver lining in like a terrible situation yeah big time i think there's a few stories like that i mean when you're like yourself and you operate in a sort of hectic lifestyle Mm. and then all of a sudden someone just forces you to jam the brakes on Mm. um, which is what covid did just jam the brakes on it's just like everything stopped and um our daughter summer was born on the 9th of jan Mm. like just after all the bush or the end of the bushfires and everything and then (laughs) then she was born and then literally it was like everything shut down and don't leave the house so for me it was a blessing because i was able to just be a dad and mm. you know look after her and learn how to do everything during your the day. first baby too first one yeah so it was just i just had that full immersive experience of being a dad basically full-time stay-at-home dad with my with my wife kelly so we were still working and yeah. everything but you know what i mean it kind of like not i guess the travel component is what stopped and that really is what um gave me the extra time yeah. i wasn't going anywhere i've only i think there's been five nights in total that i haven't been at home which yeah. normally you know shit I'd, I'd be doing almost 100 flights in a year you know what I yeah. mean and so it's just completely wiped all that which has been amazing timing for sure and then the thing too right is that a lot of people you'll have like one parent stays home you know one will go back to work and there's instances where like the the man in the house will stay home and look after the baby if the mum goes back to work or whatever but it's real rare that you get two parents that can spend that long with their kid and like it's honestly like just rare in society it just doesn't happen anymore so you guys are getting to do something that's like an old school thing to have both parents stay at home for the first six eight months of your kid's life yeah it's really different i mean it's 
it's good because we haven't killed each other which is you know i mean mm. it's a different dynamic is normally someone has to go to work and be away and then come back but um massive blessing because i mean yeah to be able to spend all that time with her and because they do change every day so mm. i really haven't missed anything which is which has been which has been awesome and that, then being up here has just added to that as well really yeah and i know mates that they work in the mines and stuff like that and they'll tell you honest like straight up honestly like oh, i'm not that close with this kid because i've like maybe I was there for the first two and then this one I was FIFO or working away and then they, they said that the dynamic's just different mm. so it has to be like extremely important totally yeah and I think the I mean great thing for me is that dad has been able to I, I feel confident that I can do anything like you yeah know, it's hard with the dad sometimes because they don't get that close of a connection to the mm. baby as mums because you can't like if, you're, if the mum's breastfeeding and stuff like it's just we're a bit useless <laughs> we don't have the maternal instinct we're still in love with the child and trying and everything the rest the rest of it but you, you there's always the yeah. mum is always going to be that tad bit closer but at least in this case i've i've been forced to be able to get up during the night do everything you know feed mm. her look i can i legitimately feel confident that i can look after any time if i need to so so that's <laughs> a good makes, thing, good thing. <laughs> you kind of want that yeah keep her alive so hey, no, i feel good. like i'd fail fucking heavy <laughs> nah you figure it out mate <laughs> yeah, now what? <laughs> Just, uh, so no, it's we'll, been good. We'll get on to uh, Marvel. Yep. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I've told you a million times, but it, that was the. I think I can't remember. What, I just said something about like Australia got the Supercross it deserved. Yeah, that's I feel awesome. like we've had some pretty good ones. Like Super X is pretty sick, but man, Marvel Stadium, that vibe, the event, the people that were in there, like and for myself it was fucking huge dude like i i i didn't know how important that event would be to to my business and i think that that's something that maybe people overlook and i think that some of the stuff we're going through with motocross now it's made me really want to be more involved in it because i saw a direct impact on my business as somebody that operates within the industry just went fucking crazy like october november december january biggest months we've ever had until last month but january is still our, our biggest month and that was like this hangover from doing new zealand we did the townley thing and then we came back and did um marvel and it was just the the buzz that that generated for for my business was fucking crazy and even more than i could have ever anticipated so it was such i guess in just an isolated case study like what you guys did for the industry is just crazy you know and, and you've got to think that everybody that was involved in that event or in motorcycling in australia in the industry would have had those residual effects from just having such a great event with so many eyes on the sport and not not just people that were in the stadium but the worldwide coverage and then it even carried over into Supercross and you'd have Cloudy. Every time Cloudy was on the track, you'd have Ricky Carmichael talking about Ozex. Any uh, time that Jason Wygant would do his commentary, he'd refer back to Ozex. Same with Justin Brayton. Every time Justin Brayton had TV time, back to Ozex. So like, it was just, I just think it was so big for, for the sport. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to hear and 
and obviously um, it's a shame Sando's not not here with us to, to talk it out too because um, he's in Kingscliff um, quarantining on the way after, after <laughs> Bathurst he took one for the team there for us but um, we love you Sando yeah yeah definitely and we appreciate what you did there mate <laughs> but uh, yeah we're um, I mean we're stoked I mean it's we appreciate hearing that because you know you do get so you know and we caught up pre-event and we're so like tunnel vision and mm. so like you know um you're so focused on things and sometimes you can also be caught focusing on the things you you stuffed up or could have done better and yeah. you know because there's always things to improve and there's a thousand things that could be improved and, and that's and the nature will be of being an entrepreneur too yeah totally it is so you got to force yourself to sit back and go you know it was great like i i was more anxious post-event than i was pre-event because post-event I'll, and this is just a flaw in my personality but I was kicking myself over the things that we did wrong for two weeks post event and I was having sleepless nights post event thinking about the things that we did wrong and the things that we should have improved and how I could have personally performed better you know yeah. and I, and then I had to just be like just chill out just take a step back take a step back yeah. you know and eventually um, you know that sort of and it's a bit of like a hangover after because it's such a build up for an event like that yeah. you know there's particularly so when much you're like stress as yeah well. so much stress insane levels of stress and you know we're, we're we're relatively inexperienced we're a small business you know what i mean like we'd never run an event with thirty five thousand people before yeah you know that it was ours and so you know there's a huge amount of adrenaline that gets you through to that yeah. there's no sleep you end up drinking half the time because you're partying with people that have come from overseas and you're you know spending time with sponsors and partners yeah. and everyone is excited to come into town so you've got to do that and you enjoy that part of it but then afterwards there's just a big like just a come down just a yeah. massive come down of just like you know like on my emails went from 250 a day to five yeah and i'm just like what the you know and so you it all catches up with you a little bit but overall we were you know stoked you know with with what happened we were stoked to have thirty five thousand people there we were stoked with how the event ran the tv broadcast was was epic i mean our crew did just an incredible job to bump the thing in and out you know we spoke about a lot of the pressure that was on us to not destroy the turf to not yeah break the floor because it's on a suspended car park to get the whole thing in and out on time to you know just ridiculous levels of things of layers of things that could have gone wrong yeah um and so considering all that you know it was a huge success um but there's definitely tons of things that you know we'll improve on next time and we'll do better um but at the same time you know we're stoked and and particularly stoked you know to hear things like what you said because i mean our mission since we we started this whole thing was to try and lift the industry that we love and we work in and we obviously you know we're passionate like yourself so we just wanted to see the event be that we dreamed it could be because Mm -hmm. we're fans as well um and so when you sit back and you know and you look at it and you look at some of the images and you look at the tv broadcast and stuff and you go you know it was you know Mm. it was that but because we're obviously in it you know all the things that could have been improved you know some of the operational issues we had and things that we'll definitely improve on for next time so so yeah it's balancing we're we're stoked but at the same time you know we'll do better next time and you know unfortunately but fortunately in a way corona's sort of destroyed it for this year um for us but the silver lining is, you know, not just obviously family time, but having the time to reflect and look back and yeah. how, how how can we improve? What can we do different? And, and our team, you know, focusing on other areas of our business and things like that has been really beneficial. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you've, you know, with the event, we'd been sort of working on it so hard for, you know, since 2013 really is when the, we started working on the Aus X Open. And so to 
um, you know, have a break, a forced break, yeah. you know, that you would never normally have. You just have this forced break to, to take a breather and go, okay, you know, take stock in it all. What are we, what's the OzX brand mean and how are we going to improve moving forward? And obviously, you know, our plans are, you know, as long as Corona leaves us alone, that next year will be bigger and better and we'll, we'll keep moving forward. Um, so you talked about some of the areas to improve and, and that, like what, from because I mean from the outside for me like my only thing is like yeah it just got dusty <laughs> like that's like if I had to look at the event but in your eyes as someone that was super close to it and knows all of the intricacies of it I'm sure there's a lot more than that ah, was dusty yeah totally there's just things to do with the the customer experience for some people that could be improved you yep. know um, some of the in corporate in particular um, some of the experiences there operationally, you know, we had expectations because where it's difficult is um, the, where the venue responsibilities lie and where your responsibility, responsibilities mm. lie as the promoter, you know, um, that can be hard. You have expectations that they're going to look after your customers, you know, as much as you want to look after your yeah, customers. Yeah. But then at the same time, we haven't, we hadn't been to the venue before. Um, which shouldn't be an excuse, but it is when it when you when you have an event at that scale and there's things that you just haven't done before. You sometimes don't you, don't, you don't know. You don't know. What you don't know. And then the stress test on the day sometimes just it think it brings out failures and brings out things that went right. And there was things to do with the venue operations that we thought that they roll over and and you know for example the security should know that if someone gets to this gate then they should be at that gate they can direct them to the right place yeah. you know or that the track walk is going to be here and this is the meeting place and that they'll be briefed properly so when someone gets there the security guy goes hey you're supposed to be at this gate head down and you'll get onto the track walk but they just don't yeah. and, and unfortunately the secu- you, you've got to remember we have to remember that the security guys do an event every night they don't remember the intricacies of our tickets yeah. and what and what our VIP is supposed to get or our corporate is supposed to get or, or whatever. And we probably relied on them too much to mm, to know to get it right. and to get it right. Yeah. And and we've it's honestly been one of the things that we've had issues with all the time is that security at the events aren't great. And they're also not customer service people either. So people get there and they, they're really keen and really eager and, and then they don't always well they rarely get the right information and get it easily and politely yeah. so then they get a they get an experience that's affected by that so you know it's not hasn't didn't affect everyone but there's a, there's enough people that it's something that needs to be worked on to make sure that the security know exactly where everyone's got to be at any one time and and how do we make sure that next time when mm. you get there like no matter which seat or no matter what ticket you've bought it's a smooth transition so you get there and they go hey you're supposed to be here off you go you know what i mean and, mm. and just like get that it's just that experience like an event experience is really from the moment you buy the ticket to well, the moment you get parking, there eh? yeah. yeah and then well, the even before, before right? yeah, yeah. yeah well you yeah. get buy your ticket you know you want to know that you've bought the right ticket and you mm. want to be communicated to and yeah. hey you've bought this ticket and this is what you do on the day when yeah. you get there and you know and that that whole communication piece is something we've really worked on but we'll continue to just to make sure that every touch point to do with the event is a positive experience so it's just things like that. Operationally, like, I mean, the track got dusty, which I think um, it's a bit of a byproduct of building in that venue because we couldn't use any heavy machinery because mm. of the floor. So everything's skid steers, which means that the whole track is just constantly being rolled in and packed down and packed down and packed yeah. down. So then you can't rip it up to get the water into it. Yeah. Um, I think we can improve it, though, by 
potentially having less on track activity at certain times to make sure you know because we the track is so busy all day yeah there's, 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 not, a, there's not enough time there's yeah. not enough time to then to then work on it yeah. you know even to do you know we have track walks things that potentially stop the track guys being able to do yeah. what they need to do to yeah. keep the dust down and keep the track prep up so there's just a bunch of things like that that will improve you know that will improve the show there's that you know there's a hundred sort of one percenters you know that yeah. will sort of make the difference that people won't even know that we've changed but that they'll leave you know being even more stoked on it i reckon well i always explain it, it that same thing what you've just said the those one percenters that people don't know is that like pulling focus on a camera mm. like you don't understand that if like me and Wes we would just froth over like we'd lock in on somebody's eyes and then we'd focus and like we could see their eyes in the whoop section and to us that's like this 1% detail that we obsess over because we know that people don't know that that's what's actually happening Mm. but their quality has this invisible factor Mm. good is good yeah a lot of times you don't know why it is good Mm. But it's very obvious if it's bad. Totally. So it's like you kind of get this instant, like, that's bad. And it's very easy to identify. But then when shit's great, it's very hard for people to even know what's good about it. Yeah, why was it good? I don't know. It just was awesome. I don't, like, I don't know. And there's tons of things like that. I think, like, the lighting, the sound equipment that, you know, you spend $15,000 extra or more on, on sound equipment because it's going to be better quality but would people they people wouldn't get there and go oh they've used shitty speakers you can tell yeah but they'll let but they know that they heard it and it was sick you know what i mean so yeah. there's all those things that people don't know that you've done in the background so that that experience is is more mm. premium so um yeah there's just tons of things little things like that and when you you learn the intricacies of the venue and things and then go back and obviously have the same team mm. as much as possible going back again then everyone knows what their role is and where they're going to be and what are the challenges we're going to have and it'll just be better like i just i just know it will be yeah but i mean what's so exciting is that if it's going to be better than what it was like it's just going to be insane because it it was the best two-wheeled event that i've ever been to in australia and it it just it honestly too i think like now we're seeing with the outdoors there's an expectation from people now Mm. like because i think before everybody was just like fuck it's just australia like we just have shit this and we have shit we don't really have good supercross and outdoors is kind of shit so it was just this like expected thing it was almost like no one gave a fuck anymore like we're over it (laughs) it's like yeah we just we just don't do that stuff like america does that yeah but then we get this product and now i think it's just raised the bar of the the new normal like this is what we can do in australia and it's almost like you know i've tried to hold my content to the the standard and you can see other people like you know moto online they're doing such a good job like they hold as a particular standard and there's all these people that seems like you know like you said you wanted to do something that helped with the industry and i think that that that's happening and now i just think we're going to see that follow into motocross and we're going to see it follow into you know like I think MX Store was awesome this year with the Motocross of Nations. Like, they re- invested in the the team and then we got, you know, we haven't had any Motocross of Nations type of content or real, uh, like, connection with the team. But last year we did. So, I feel like there is this kind of follow-on effect that, that everyone is, like, sort of building off of now. And mm. I get, they would all feed into each other. Mm. But it really does seem like that's 
the sort of way the industry is like trending towards yeah i hope so i mean that's definitely the goal is to you want you know which you know you want everyone to feel like there's a positive movement which makes it worth working that bit harder and yeah. i think the teams that are a great example because they have done that yeah you know and as the standard of events lift then their expectation of what you know what riders are going to deliver i mean if you paid attention over the last three years to the depth of riders that are on the teams here not just the australians but obviously them investing in overseas riders and things they're doing that because the events are worthy so yeah. it's super important they're not going to you know, the Honda aren't going to turn up with a B double if there's not going to be any fans there to, to hang out at. And same with the, the Yamaha squad. They've got, the, like Craig Duck's got this incredible setup, but what would be the point if there's no one there to, mm. to look at it, you know? So, and that's really why we wanted to get involved in promoting the series uh, in the first place because we saw all these, like, expensive mm. rigs and, and setups and these really highly professional teams and thought if there's no one here to see this, like it's going to die off. And so yeah. we've got to make sure that it continues to, we give them a reason to keep investing in, give the, the brands a reason to, to invest in, not just with us and not just sponsor us, but to sponsor the Honda team, to sponsor yeah. the Yamaha team, the KDM, Husky, you know, Suzuki, everyone. Make sure that there's a reason for the brands to be involved because the, if there isn't, if they don't see the platform as worthy of it, then they won't spend their money there, which means the whole thing will eventually, yeah. you know, go down the toilet. Yeah, yeah, there has to be like this reason for people to get together and race. Otherwise, mm. it just becomes like, yeah, they'll pull their funding and then we don't have the riders. And I think one really awesome thing as well that's sort of on this upward trend at the moment is Aussie riders. And not just Aussie, but New Zealand as well. Like mm. Walsh is killing it over there. Jed Beaton's obviously doing incredibly well. Um, Mitch Evans, like we've, we're sort of, I feel like there's a new resurgence of you know the these kind of steps that have been put in place over the last couple of years it seems like they're paying off in the form of even just like our aussie talent 100 mm, percent agree i mean how exciting is it to see to watch international races yeah. and have aussies to cheer from i th for i think we were all kind of like stressing that when chad reed retires like who we like who we got who we, got? Who are we yeah. gonna cheer for what are we gonna watch and and you know obviously same with todd coming back from europe and things yeah. like that it's a, you're thinking shit I hope there's someone for us Aussies to cheer for but these guys have just like completely stepped up yeah. and like I mean Jet Lawrence recently like yeah. blowing it out of the water really you're just like holy shit like not only do we have people to cheer for we've got like we've got a horse we, in the race yeah, yeah. big time we've got Mitch Evans on team HRC for god's sake it's the best team in the world arguably or, or one yeah. of the most prestigious and then you've got Jet Lawrence you know just won a race at 17 years old in the US like yeah. it's just nuts so you can't say that the depth of talent doesn't exist here because it 100% does and there's there's um and I think you know again we got to keep giving him a platform for those yeah. guys for the families to want to be involved to so that there is those riders to keep following through because if the platform isn't there and the from a grassroots level right through to professional level if it's not there and it's not worth taking your kid to compete at then why would you um, and if there's not the pathway to success yeah. like what those guys have had then what's the motivation to get involved like it, because it's not easy and and the reality of it is you know 99.99% of people won't be Jet Lawrence yeah. you know but so you can't get into it for that reason you've got to get into it because you love it and because it's fun and because the racing is worthwhile and, you, and you're stimulated by the whole you're experience inspired, you're yeah. inspired to do yeah. it yeah. and if you happen to to follow Mitch Evans and do that then that's just incredible but if you don't 
motocross you know can still give you an amazing lifestyle like it has us you know what i mean yeah. like we've got careers and 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 awesome mateships you know all the best things that happen in my life have been because of that like 100%. including my wife i met her because her brother raced like you know and all my best friends are from moto so you know i wasn't mitch evans and far from it but at the same time motocross has given me everything so same, so so i don't so you know like people have got to remember that and hopefully we can make it worthwhile that they want to be involved in it because mm. of the sheer love of it like we were and are not because ah, oh, you know if i can't be mitch evans there's no point because yeah. that's not the case because like we go out and have the best time ever on the weekend i don't yeah. i don't care to be mitch evans i'm happy to be just shitty slowing or slow riding <laughs> around having an awesome time with my mates because that's actually awesome to do too you know so yeah. i think like it's there is i guess a level of pressure on on us as an industry obviously and and us as event promoters to make sure that we deliver yeah a platform worthy that people get excited and inspired by to want to be involved in the sport whether it's as a sponsor as a commentator as a writer as a whatever like an official if there's not that energy and excitement around it and you don't feel like you're missing out by not going then what's the point and that's what we've got to make sure stays And, and as well like i'm not sure if you ever heard cincerello talk about um, what got him into Supercross? His he had zero connection to motocross. Adam Cincerello is first generation motocross. He his dad took him to it was either the Tampa Supercross or Daytona Supercross. I feel like it was Daytona Supercross, and he watched Jeremy McGrath, and it was like in the mid nineties, and he was like a four year old, and uh, and then that was it. He's Adam Cincerello. That's his connection. His dad <laughs> bought him a bike. Or his, his granddad bought him a bike. And then his dad took him racing. No fucking clue. Like, mm. literally no idea. And, like, Jay Reinenberg is the same. His dad didn't do motocross at all. Like, he was just the first one to like it in his family. He had some friends at school that liked motocross. Ended up owning a factory team in America. It's so good. So, like, you got to think of those 35,000 people that were in the stands at Marvel Stadium. There's kids that would have been interfacing with Supercross for the first time totally and yeah. like if you're the adam cincerello or like me i mean i got it through my dad but fuck man all i did like i just saw a motorbike fly through the air obsessed with it for my whole life mm. and it just is what it is for yeah. whatever reason never leaves never leaves you yeah once you're there so like you guys as the company that organizes that event that there's potentially a jet lawrence that's in the stands that has no previous connection mm. to the sport and it's like it sounds it can sound like woo woo like you know what i mean all fucking hippie and mystical but it's like that is the reality of it and it's like you're gonna you can cut off this whole section of like potential riders and leave that kid uninspired because that event doesn't exist and it's like a guy like adam cincerello like he's in a in a way like changed the sport like he's such a massive massive part of it let's say you take him out the entire sport's different like Mm, there goes a thousand loretta's trophies and you know all of this crazy shit that that kid's been able to achieve so it's like you do need those events that do really inspire because that's the shit that like can change people's lives just change the direction of the sport i mean um i mean that's me to be honest like my dad didn't race i mean my dad didn't even like motocross i mean (laughs) as soon as i could go you know with someone else he was like i was going with someone else he was not taking he was not the guy changing my air filters or i think he adjusted the chain a couple of times but you know 
like so I'm first generation myself that's awesome um, yeah and, and, and that came from Supercross for me uh, really like I went to the um, Melbourne Tennis Centre at the time Rod Laver Arena in 1993 wow went watched how old were you you reckon uh, shit so what was I 10 11 yeah and I was just like this is insane loved it frothing <laughs> that's so and, good and um, and literally had the dream to I want to race in here like imagine being able to be down there and to be able to do that and I did get to you know that's and um, you know like I said I never won anything of, of distinction but at the same time you know my you dr- I looked at it and was like uh, you know and my dad had no idea no interest whatever but I did get to race there which is epic and now now I live my dream more so in a sense by working in yeah. in the industry in the sport so it definitely wasn't just like you know my path but um and if anything my parents hated it and my mum never uh, i don't think she ever watched me race ever wow. not, not once um because she said she was too scared yeah. probably rightly so because i hurt i broke so many bones but um that was my fault not hers <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy i didn't know that that you had that same sort of story yeah and that's what i mean like you, you know you can sort of you can you could sit there and be like ah oh, fuck you can't you carry on like settle, settle down but it's like it, that shit happens you know yeah. like and and if you rely only on like my dad like my dad raced supercross and was around all those guys and then i've got photos on bikes before i can even remember like that's that's been my entire life i've got i was riding for longer than i can even like remember back i don't remember the first time i rode a bike and you know you can't just rely on those people to keep the industry going because it's like you are guaranteeing like a drop-off rate not everybody just inherits the moto gene and it just gets carried on so totally. it's like you there has to be that industry like constantly it's all almost like just generating new leads you know uh, like as is. a salesman yeah it is and for our sport and we're all trying to do it so yeah which is why again why it's great for everyone including yourself to be you know investing back into it because we're trying to build the audience build interest just so that people give a shit enough to buy a ticket or or come along or or buy a bike eventually i mean one of our our best stats from Oz Exa we're we're really proud of was only um in the research post was only 20 percent of the people there actually were involved in motorcycle racing that's so good so that means 80 percent weren't at all and then of that i think 45 percent said that the event made them want to consider getting into it so yeah you know for us we're just like that's what we need like that's that's the proof that we can do something we can convert people and um and again we just got to convert them that to to ride you don't have to want to race at marvel stadium again like that it doesn't matter like the riding part of it i have more fun riding now than i did you know racing you know trying to be serious at it back then um, because it's mateship and it's fun mm. and it's with your with your friends and you can just go along and you just talk shit all <laughs> the way there, you talk that, shit all the, the way back. The shit that gets spoken on yeah. the Saturday yeah. rides as well, though. It's the best part about yeah. the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you and Sammy did that race up in um, in Rocky the other week, and that like that banter oh, is awesome. So good. And that's that to me is what it's about, like, and where the Ozex brand and where mm. Sando and I are wanting to work towards is is supporting, you know the sport and the people that want to be involved in the sport and and we will always try and strive to have this amazing event there's no question and australian supercross championship will 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 be the better best that it's ever been next year we have no question um well best you know in at least a decade for sure and um but it's about you know supporting the fact that guys do this for fun guys and girls love this yeah like the passion like because that's what we actually are like i think you know you know i mean being uh, with you last time helped communicate that to people because people you know when you're in the business of motocross or supercross assume that 
um, you're just in it for money or you're just, you know, who knows? You're just a business person that can't got involved. But no, just like, like we're nice just shit. like we're, it's the other yeah, <laughs> it's the other way. We're just hardcore fans, yeah. You know, and Sando's a converted fan. He came from racing go karts and stuff. And since we met and partnered up in business, he was like, "Holy shit, this is insane! This is unbelievable." He, yeah. He'd worked at V8 Supercars for five years at that point, and he was just like, "These guys are fucking nuts! I can't believe they do that. Like, yeah. people have got to see this, you know." So he he sort of is like a convert. Um, which is why he's so awesome because he's a convert to be like he wasn't he wasn't brought up with it either all of a sudden he's just like holy fuck these guys are incredible we gotta show people we gotta tell people how sick these guys are I can't believe it like and so um, you know we we are hardcore fans that want to have a sick event because we want to go to it but we're also people that want to ride on the weekends you know myself in particular just to have fun and just love it and and we want to build that community and want everyone to feel a part of this thing that is moto because it's so much better than just you know a professional event like that's great yeah. but it's that's it, one day that's one day of the year yeah. but moto, being being involved in moto is is so much more than that it is the mateship and it's an amazing what's well, a lifestyle it's a lifestyle with your friends it's tra- traveling it's <clears throat> sorry it's um keeping fit keeps you off the beers a little bit more you know what i mean yeah. because you've actually got a reason to to be wake fit on the fresh, weekend yeah. and wake up fresh because jb gonna... we're fucking talking to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly there's a few people who be inspired here so you know because you can't i mean i can't people have done but you can't ride moto nah, nah, feeling like a shit. piece of shit hungover yeah. yeah. because it's too sketchy and and it's not as much fun so you know anyway I, I guess you know we want to be part of that movement i guess yeah. to make sure people just keep frothing on it like we you know it's like just keep frothing on it love it for what it is like it's it's the best fun you can ever have in our opinion like get out there try it go ride on the weekends keep uh, getting amongst it and obviously you know in november we still want you to come to the event but do it with a whole <laughs> bunch of people the, don't put it on that weekend <laughs> yeah right? exactly but yeah i mean one of the like I, when I started doing this podcast, like I did not have the, I had like zero foresight on the impact that would, it would have personally in like that motocross sense. Like I knew that I'd be talking to people that were into it, but I, I didn't come into it with this goal of like, I want to help the industry. This is like, I, this is something that I need to do, blah, blah, blah. But then it was literally like the community. Like I just... I fell in love with the gypsy gang and the people that are just doing exactly what you just said, because I'd stopped doing that. Like I was over it with, you know, injuries. And then when I was in America, I didn't ride. And then it just, it just slipped away from me. And I, I, I fell out of love with that. I still watched every race. My, it's still all my friends, but in terms of the riding itself. And I think a lot of that come from like, trying when you're racing and you know the idea of riding for fun like it was so i feel like that ricky carmichael era like the era that we come up in it was all about like the superstars that were winning and doing really well and all you saw was like how hard they trained and that sort of almost set like this unrealistic expectation for me to where it's like you go to the track you do your 30s and you you know you pack it it wasn't like you're just there fucking around and i i sort of had that mentality and then the gypsy tales thing is like oh fuck like let's just all go be dickheads <laughs> and right like because that's what i saw like the people that were listening to the podcast is like there's so many legends that i would interact with through the podcast and i'd like watch their social media i'm like fuck they're all having so much fun and i'd totally. sort of i'd 
almost like put that out of my head it wasn't advertised to me in that way it was moto moto like race 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 elite factory rides Mm, like totally and it honestly just sparked like what the way that we're living now like that was inspired by the people that listened to the podcast and then like i just started seeing a value in like promoting more of that and to this day like the proudest moments that i've got from doing this podcast are people that message me and say dude i've been listening to your podcast for ages i haven't owned a bike since i was 16 fucking finally just got one and it's like a old piece of shit but it's sick as fuck and then so they're, they're back riding you know yeah and sick. like even this uh isaac butterfield he's like a comedian i don't know if you know him but nah. his tour manager like i went and watched one of their shows and then i met his tour manager his tour manager started following the podcast and it turns out he used to race when he was a kid and now he's like this fucking overweight tour manager that's like fucking living like shit traveling around the country <laughs> and he's like he's had a I'm pretty sure he's got a Wazard 252 stroke and he had it in fucking storage for like 10 years he's called up his mum and been like oi I need to get my bike out of storage and like now he's just back on the train and like Jackson uh, my roommate same deal he grew up racing and riding as a kid and then just sort of gave it away as he sort of got older and it just slipped away from him and then he came to Rocky with us and was filming and then when we got up to Cairns he rode two days in a row it's so good and like he's just like as soon as we get home or like driving home he's on Gumtree in the fucking back of the car like wanting to buy an old 250F so it's like it is so rad to be able to just promote that side of riding and you know the mx farm camping stuff and even jay on the weekend jay wilson was camped next to us and he's like man i don't do this Mm. i just i go to ride and then if it's a weekend and i'm at racing like i'm not thinking about riding then him and his wife they they dumped the kid and they just had a weekend like adults weekend and you know camping at the track and it was fuck man i probably rode 30 minutes on the weekend on the weekend but I was there all weekend i had an absolute ball yeah so like getting a chance to you know promote that side of it as well it's just totally. been like it's so rewarding it's it's i mean it's that's what it's all about i mean i'm the same I, I went through a patch of life now it was a stage but at the time it was everything where i just wanted to be a professional racer and i wanted to win races and i wanted to be you know um on a supercross podium or whatever um and and you know that that didn't happen for me but what i have been able to realize later is just like that's not necessarily what it's about now at that time because i think as i was a kid too if people weren't into it like full full on and taking it really seriously it's like what are you doing like what what's, what's the, point? the point yeah but, but, that's exactly but, how i felt and i was shit yeah but now i'm like like if some kid comes flying past me i'm like yeah good on you dude i'm like off you go enjoy it like and that happens you know what i mean like some kid comes back on a, on a 250f and just blows the doors off you and you're just like go for it mate i'm stoked to just cruise around at this speed and i'm yeah. really having a good time and and that is what it's about i think like um and that and that is huge like people think that this my one of my biggest bugbears is people saying the sport's really niche and things but i actually really passionately disagree because i think you know there's most um kids particularly little boys but girls as well grow up making motorbike noises and zooming around on their strider bikes and etc etc and being into kids love motorbikes before they've even been told they don't even know what motocross is they just love motorbikes because they're a kid and they think motorbikes are cool for who knows what reason yeah there's a pull there's definitely yeah and we've just got to harness that that love for just like thinking they're cool and just enjoy it and just you know you don't ever have to want to be chad reed or jet lawrence or anyone else but get involved because it's actually 
you know, cheap compared to th- some things too, you know, like yeah. people say how expensive it is, but you know, like, um, you know, if you, you can buy a decent, a really good bike for four or five grand, um, you know, I know people that drop 1200 bucks on a night partying pretty easily. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's kind of like, is the bike at five grand really that much? If you're going to have it for a year or two years and just have an awesome time every weekend, is it really that expensive? Because yeah. I actually don't think it is in, in comparison these days. I think that I think seven bags guys. Think yeah, about yeah, that. Do, do the math. Like, do the math. It's not, don't tell me it's expensive and you can't afford it when, when you're going to go do that on the weekend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, Putting it, I think this period has been awesome, you know, in COVID again has, has been an amazing opportunity because our industry has flown. Bike sales have gone through the roof. Apparel sales have gone through the roof. Everyone's buying gear, buying bikes. You can't even find a bike yeah. if you wanted to buy one at the moment because they've sold out. And I think the period has just made people go, holy shit, like... This is I just want to awesome, I just yeah. want to do stuff like I just yeah. want to go out and do stuff and ride and like I mean I'm the same I'm just like all of a sudden you're just like I've got my weekends back because I can't travel or can't go to anywhere I want to surf or go ride my dirt bike and just have fun yeah. with my mates and, and people have seen the value in that and that's really what moto and the lifestyle of moto is about it's not about necessarily you know we obviously want people to race and want to be champions too and that they're the elite guys and there will be guys that want to do that but for the rest of us like just enjoy it froth on it yeah. get out there and just have an awesome time well man the the cool thing too like the mid 2k thing is an awesome example of that like that's 75 dudes building two straight and there's more because i know there's people that haven't registered that message me that's like that's a lot of people building bikes i bought mine for three thousand five hundred dollars it had no fucking brakes it had no clutch barely ran me and sammy were going to the track and i was losing it like i was having so much fun and i like i mean i think it's probably part of just getting older but man i used to schizify like a fucking bubble in my graphics like you know that's the shit you care about when you're trying to be a fucking weird racer dude but like it was so cool to just go out and be like damn I can't believe how cheap happiness is. Yeah. Like, I can buy, I can buy happiness, and it's yeah. a three thousand dollar piece of shit YZ two fifty. I literally bought happiness. It's so good, and you know, money well spent. A hundred percent, and and you're right. Like you, you know, you sort of think it's expensive or it's this and it's that, but and you know, we went, we did our road trip to Cairns. We slept in swags on the side of the road. Like it was a fucking shit show. We we were literally <laughs> went from swags on the side of the road with Sammy just skitsing out because it said no camping but I, I feel like I just said we were just resting <laughs> Sammy was trying to stick to the rules and oh you dude just, you should have seen him you were just living the gypsy life oh man it was so funny we didn't film it because we were all just so tired but we left Rocky and uh, we, we left Rocky we pulled up to we're like we'll get to Airlie and then we'll just camp on the side of the road and then we'll get to our Airbnb and uh but everywhere said no camping. But there was all these private blocks of land where people owned the blocks, but they hadn't built houses yet. And I said to Sam, I'm like, look, this is the fucking deal. I'll let you in on the secret of being a gypsy. It's carried me through all this time. If you're going to do something that's illegal or sketchy, do it to the point where when somebody looks at you, they think must be legit because there's no way you'd fucking do that if you were trying to be sneaky is this guy like, taking the piss or what yeah 100 so i was like let's just fucking park on the vacant block and set up a campsite like it's our block Perfect. easy yeah and then i was like if you camp next to the no camping sign like it's so obvious that you're gonna get in trouble. pretend you put the sign there 100 i was just like i was like mate i'm telling you but yeah so we went from you know like camping the whole 
trip really like in and out of the swag and then we drove back and i got home and i was like we're gonna fucking camp again on the weekend like what's the point of not camping you know like i could go i could stay the night i could ride get up tracks good so it's like it it is it's all of this extracurricular shit that goes on around it it's like the motorcycle is just the nucleus it's like the thing that everyone kind of shares that's the thing that like brings you together and then but like the juice like the real fun shit it's not the motorcycle or even riding the motorcycle it's like everything that just hovers around on the fringe yeah totally and that's what it's about that's the, the lifestyle right i think that's what that's how what we want to do is bring people on that journey more and, and expose people to that to the lifestyle of moto because that's the the cool part like mm. you said come to events enjoy that race by all means we want to see future champions in the sport and you know we'll try and help them and all that kind of thing but really for everyone else if you're not interested in racing or even being a champion or whatever just get into the lifestyle because it, it, you know it's so much fun mm. and it's so awesome it's underrated people don't realize how much fun it is and when you're you know motocross is it can be a dangerous sport but when you're comfortable to to <laughs> yeah. take it a bit easier at times yeah. and go a bit slower then it, it gets a lot safer do you know what i mean hey, you know what i'll fucking give it to sammy i've not seen that current crash ever <laughs> Well, there you go. And he never gets hurt. Motocross is sa- like motocross is a safe sport. Look yeah. at Sam. He yeah. doesn't crash. Yeah. And he rides good. Yeah. He's not going yeah. the fastest. Yeah. But he, he is one of those guys like that he stays. I don't do that. I'm a fucking idiot. I crash all the time. <laughs> but like he he is a testament that it isn't a dangerous sport if you're not being a fucking idiot. Doesn't have not, to be. You're yeah. not you know, I got ego. I'll just send. I go out there and try and be cool, but that, <laughs> that's it the key. Work for you. Keep, keep the ego in check, and it can be yeah. ten times safer. So, yeah. and and for kids, like let's be real, if you're, you know, keen, yeah. keen to put your kid into a sport, um, I mean, if they're five years old on a Pee Wee fifty, like. You know, I'm not saying you can't get hurt, but holy shit, like they're this high off the ground, like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's not yeah. like when you're hitting freestyle ramps at 23 trying to do backflips and stuff like that. You know, it doesn't ever have to get to that level or yeah. where you're racing at such an intensity that you can really hurt yourself. It doesn't have to get to that level for you to enjoy everything that Moto has to offer. You can yeah. you can cruise around at a leisurely pace, still have an epic time and have fun with your mates and, and take a lot less chances. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it's always been seen or an all, as an all or nothing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. You can just literally get out there, put your gear on and have a ride and have a sick time without without taking the chances that the next guy might want to. I think, though, that it's that sort of goes back to what I was saying a little bit where, like, I think our era, the, the advertising around or, like, the promotion of the sport, all we saw was that top 1%. Mm. Like, there was no investment in... Like, let's say me and Sammy, like two fucking strugglers. Like, there's no one putting that shit on YouTube back mm. on. I guess there's no YouTube back then, but there's no one putting that shit in the Krusty Demons yep. or the Great Outdoors. Like, we only ever saw the 1%. And I think that that's what created this, like, false sense of um, meaning in the sport. Like, that's what mattered because that's what you get shown. And I think if you look at a sport like surfing, there's so many aspects to surfing that got promoted like board building mm. longboarding these adventure trips where you go and you you know you're camping on the side of the road or you're riding a bike with like yeah a scooter with your surfboard on the side of it there was so much like fringe activity that was actually shown to the fans of the sport 
And I don't think that actually existed in Moto. And I think that was sort of one of the things from doing the podcast that made me like steer some of our content in that way of just like, fuck, let's just show us struggling. Yeah. Like just bit like having the experience that normal people have. Like one dude, totally. one dude DM Sammy after Rocky and with like a screenshot of Sammy just looking completely fucked up to the race <laughs> and he's like this is the most relatable motor content I've ever seen yeah because normally you're watching Censorello or uh, Cooper Webb or someone just doing a mad scrub and you're like I can't fucking do what? that but when you're saying like us and Sammy just sweating hey, balls oh, it's oh, like oh, oh man I'm so rooted <laughs> people are like that's me and like that's fine too like just enjoy that and like I think with age and maturity you do get to a point where you're yeah. okay with that and when you're a young lad you know adrenaline charged egotistical it's harder to be comfortable with being shit but like surf, <laughs> surfing really taught that to me because i'm a shit surfer but yeah. man i love it so much and i'm i go there and i suck but i have so much fun yeah. and I'm, if i make the little bit of a little bit of progress yeah then i'm stoked with that and i leave all stoked yeah but i'm still shit but i'm okay with that now and i think age has been able to help me with that because yeah. i'm a fairly ego guy and i definitely was younger when i was younger well it's hard when you're good at shit and then you go to something where you're not good at it. Because well, it's like, a great equalizer, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Like if you take, um, if you take Cooper Webb surfing, and I don't know that he can or can't surf. No, he can't surf. I've seen well, him surf. Well, you know what I mean. You're like, yeah. that's fucking Cooper Webb. He's shit at something too. Yeah, you know how yeah. good's that? Like, and you start to realize that not everyone's always just a gun at you know these at guys everything. are you, they're your heroes. You think they're they're just ridiculously talented and good, and they are at that field, but they're still humans, and it 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 should hopefully make people that want to get into moto just go, you don't have to be yeah. that good and yeah. you can still love it and get there and just have an awesome time. And that's totally fine. And, and us as a moto community, we welcome you in. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing too. Like it's a community. You want to feel like you're part of moto and you can be a part of moto and be shit at moto and yeah. you're more than welcome to come on board. Cause that's yeah. what we do. Like have an awesome time, you know, like I used to, you know, it's like um, if someone comes along they've barely ridden like I'm stoked to see them ride and just have an awesome time and have a big smile on their face you're not yeah. like oh this dude fucking sucks like I yeah. don't want him to come riding with me he's bringing my street cred down yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean that's not what Moto's about like if we see someone else frothing on it like we are then you're just stoked like I, if some I've, I, I um, did a lot of coaching in the early years of Moto and like I saw people that for the first time got their wheels off the ground and they're, and just, they're just like stoked yeah. and that's like that to me would be like surfing. If the time ever came that I could ever do an air and a surfboard, which I'm yeah. a long way off, then the stoke would just be next level. Yeah. And um, that's what you want to see out of the sport. And that's what we want to, we want to encourage is like, you don't have to be good. Come along and just get involved, mm. whether it's racing or riding or whatever. Like this sport is just the best fun that you can have with your pants on, you know, like get yeah. out there and just do it. I think too, from being a kid, like I, I've noticed going through my life as an adult, when you're hanging around just us, we've all had similar experiences in terms of like, we all know how to work on bikes. Like I'm mechanic, I'm pretty dog shit as a mechanic. But in terms of when I'm in America on a film set shooting a music video and they got the the DP or the director next to me, like if I took him and he, or if he got a flat tire, he's fucked. Like, the, <laughs> you know what I mean? The majority of dudes that are out there, if you're not doing something like this, you, there's all of these life skills that you just don't have and even when it comes down to like I've never been in a car accident like there's all this kind of I guess residual side effects of operating motorcycles and working on bikes and there's so many life skills that I've got even to camping 
to what like I've just gone camping so many times through through this that you you acquired those skills and I thought when I was living in the states and I wasn't riding at all I was like I'd never get my kids in a moto I sort of I had that stage and then I was like then I'd start to yeah you'd be on a fucking music video shoot and you're just looking at this guy like you can barely tie your shoe <laughs> like you need motocross bro like you'll learn some shit that is actually useful yeah, and totally. you know even being in cars with people and I'm like you can't drive when the fuck did you learn out like you learned to drive at like 18 or you know when you yeah. get your license and you look at people that have grown up in in our sport fuck it I would feel like every kid would have been able to drive by the time they're like seven or eight years old if you'd grown up riding totally. bikes and yeah. that's the same for girls too mm. like you know you look at girls like Vicky Golden or or like Catherine Prom like those chicks that grew up and they reached a high level I bet they're so savage at just so much like general shit in life so I mean even for me like I yeah I, I took on that thing of like oh, I don't think I'd let my kids ride but like what's what's the chances they're gonna be Chad Reed and that that was my attitude but now after this whole experience of these last few years and just getting back into it for the right what i'd call now the right reasons I'm like dude everyone should do do totally. this like yeah. to be able to learn to operate machinery to be able to learn like I, i've said you know anytime you take like a chick riding mountain bikes or motocross they just don't know what it means to crash like i have so much respect for <laughs> fucking planet earth and how much it hurts when you hit that shit so totally. even like to carry a respect of crashing throughout your life is huge, you know? Totally, yeah. And I, I just think like, I mean, because the same deal, like I, I had a lot of injuries racing and, and all of it was racing and making poor decisions during a race environment, yeah. really. Like they're the times or, or you know, an environment because I was Never trying to push, <laughs> just trying to push too hard, trying to go, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's really what has, has, has created issues for me. But um like the life lessons and what I feel like I've, I mean, my mum was always, you know, very against racing against motocross to me and be like, Oh, you know, you know, wish you wouldn't do it or this or that. And, and even now I would say to her, motocross has given me way, way, way more than it's taken away. Like mm. I've had, I've had injuries and a couple of broken bones for sure. Um, but like my entire life, lifestyle, my business, my wife even like my best friends like all of it is from moto all of it everything so how can you possibly say oh i won't get my kids into this because it's too dangerous it's like well it's a lot more dangerous to not have your kids involved in something yeah you know what i mean like your kids need shit they need something to strive towards you need a reason like what about to live like a life of passion yeah so much more way more like to have a passion to strive for and again it doesn't have to be a racing champion just to have something that you're pumped to go do to have that excitement that level of of can't wait to do this this weekend to have a reason to work on your bikes to work Mm. hard to save your money to get up in the morning to to be fit to be to be um you know not hung over because you want to you know ride with your mates the next day like that is so much more important Mm. you know and so um you know for young young kids is so powerful and to keep them away from some of the shit that goes on you know i think too when you fuck you bring a good point about injuries because i look at like I've just been through a big injury and it's probably one of the worst ones that I've had in terms of just how long it's like lingered but I've got friends from jiu-jitsu specifically where they're like they're just tripping on this on the the type of the injury and they're like I can't believe this I can't believe that and you know I talk to my moto friends about it and they're like oh sweet you'll be right I hope you you know you, you, you develop this like really fucking 
bizarre tolerance to pain and tolerance to adversity and like Ben McAleese the the meme goat he he broke his fucking back and I messaged him the other night and he first thing he said man I'm just so keen to get back on the bike like that mental resilience that just the average guy gets to build up like I know people that go through their life and they'll have a trip or hurt an ankle or something and it's just like they they it's all relative right but it's like a becomes this big thing to them and I the more I've been thinking about it more and more lately is like as we age like we're gonna get sick like part of aging is getting sick and having your health deteriorate and stays in hospital and and I, I wonder like if if you've never been um if you've never been given these problems to deal with at a younger age when you can like kind of create this like mental fortitude around it and this resiliency and you can kind of get your head around the process of of recovery and pain and and injury and these like i guess time where you can't do certain things like can you imagine dealing with sickness and stuff at you know like later in in life if you've never had these adversities and when i got sick with my kidney it was the same thing like i'd have the doctors being like oh you're a great patient and it's like you're like well unfortunately i'm about to deal with it but it makes something that would could be so crippling and like demoralizing to a normal person it seems to just become like this yep cool i've been here before we can get through it and i i wonder if as we get older and like go into our older years if like if that's really just going to serve us well in in that process you know yeah it absolutely has for me already without a doubt and i think in business in life in studies in everything because Mm. i really learned um and again like this is because of racing and because of you know mistakes and decisions that i made that you have those sorts of injuries so i don't don't think that it necessarily means just to ride moto means you're going to get hurt all the time and you'll toughen up but like the best and most powerful lessons I've learned in my life came from moto, came from setbacks, adversity, losing, you know, mm. getting your ass handed to you and being heartbroken and, and being a kid and, and crying about it because you just lost this race and just, you know what I mean? And eventually, you know, getting, like you said, that resilience and like, you know, man, I had times where I'd, I'd broken a bone and come back and the first race back broke another one. And, <laughs> you know, and I, and then there's a setback up, down, up, down. Yeah. And you know what? That's like, that's life. And yeah. if you're going to have a business and you're going to have stressful situations, which, you know, we all are going to have stressful situations, you need to have a resilience to that and you can deal with it so much better. I can deal with that in business and in life so much better because of the lessons I learned through moto. Mm. So because of dealing with setbacks, dealing with injuries, dealing with, you know, upset, pain, you know, challenging situations, that means that when I face those in the business world or whatever and, you know, they just don't have the same impact. I'm just mm. not as worried about it because you get... A, You're like callous to it. Yeah, and it's like a real... You get it. You really can learn to be able to not dwell. Like, say, you, you know, if you break your wrist on a moto, you know, you quickly go, righto, what do I have to do to get this fixed? Yeah. Go to the doctors. I go to the specialist. I'll go to them and then I'll do them. How long is it going to be? Cool, 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 done. And that is exactly the same you know in loss in life or in business or whatever you have a big setback you've got to learn to quickly get over it move on to the next thing Mm. and how you're going to overcome it not dwell on it and i feel like moto really has taught me that is to just like not dwell on 
major issues and setbacks and things like you know i've had you know and the same in the event space or whatever you've had massive setbacks and massive things where someone sits you down and goes this is going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars and you didn't budget for it and you're like fuck okay <laughs> how are we going to overcome it do you know what i mean whereas yeah. like if you would if you didn't have built that resilience up or something it could really hurt you and yeah. really be hard to deal with and i think and you would have seen that in people too 100 percent. oh i I know tons of people that haven't had that sort mm. of resilience. And so, you know, I mean, it, it's no, you, someone will call you and say, oh God, this has happened and that's happened and I just can't believe it. And uh, it's like, dude, like, you know, if you, you'll be fine, just move on yeah. and get on to the next thing. And it, it does help you. I guess what I'm getting at is it, it, it helps condition other areas of life that yeah. I think is super important for kids, super important for, for teenagers and anyone where that, you know, and, and as an adult, it serves you really well. So I think Moto delivers a lot more than it takes away. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's cool that I feel like, yeah, we're, we're all getting a chance to like showcase this and promote this side of it. And I think that it's been overlooked and like I've said to people all the time like I shot moto porn for 10 years like that's literally all I did was like I made a fucking clip that you could whack off to for three minutes <laughs> and it was like as fucking sick as I could possibly make it but it just showed this like insanely unrealistic like you want to talk about like fucking chicks and beauty standards you know what I mean like that's literally what we did but for for bikes and now I just want to be like fucking showing a dad bod and arm pump and be like it's <laughs> yeah. good yeah not just Tyler Berriman doing like gnarly awesome stuff because hey that's awesome but we, we're probably not going to do that fuck no so let's just be cool with enjoying the lifestyle enjoying for what it is and having an awesome time and and don't let the the you know upset that you're never going to be at that level stop mm. you from doing it and it's yeah. the same with any sport or anything participate you know get into it love it enjoy it be be you know of course always strive to be better but it doesn't mean not to start because you're never going to be cooper webb or you're never going to be chad reed or jet lawrence or, or yeah. brian dungey or whatever like don't let that be the reason you do or don't get into it get into it because you love it and you'll have an awesome time with your mates um we when we were talking about uh, the guys in the US we didn't mention Konski and Luke Clout mm. so they have to get a huge shout out oh what? massive massive and I mean Konski I've known him for a long time mad I, little I, fucker I, but he gets it done yeah I, I worked for him once upon a time and learned a lot of, lot of good lessons as, as a year from working with him and, and um, I mean that's a guy that you, you will not rival his passion his yeah. passion is ridiculous and, and that's why Luke raced in the US really I mean he was the guy that's passionate enough to do it put his own money in his pot you know put his own money on the table to make it happen um, so huge credit to him yeah for and it it is just yeah it just feels like there's so many guys right now in the industry that are really it feels like there's a big group of people that are like moving in the same direction if that makes sense and it's like we're starting to see the, the fruits of that and I think that yeah, like Luke Clout, he did incredible. And if he was on the west, uh, the east coast, he would have got podiums. Like one hundred percent, he would have been a threat for podiums every weekend. He just raced a super stacked mm. west coast field. But yeah, there there is this like crazy pulse of of Aussies, and I just feel like one thing's going to just build on onto another when mm. it comes to that. Yeah, and I think I think we spoke about in the last podcast we did with you is is wanting everyone to be positive and talk positively yeah. and like you know the sport's awesome like people you know Aussie nature unfortunately is to shit can things often um, and sometimes be a bit negative or tall poppy syndrome or you know this or that but we just gotta like 
be on the same team to be like this mm. sport is epic it is awesome we're all going in the right direction we're all you know we all love it you know let's get behind it and I think it's a real shift in a, in a movement mm. you know that we want to be a part of with you guys is like you know let's move towards talking about how awesome it is not now yeah. oh it should be this it should be that they should do this they should do that like like fuck it let's just enjoy it for what it is and get out there and, and ride and 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 um and be positive about it and there's no like overnight easy fix too unfortunately yeah. and i think that's even in in this business like i can think of a trillion things that i could do if i could instantly implement them i would have a better business <laughs> but it's fucking hard like it just takes a long ass time like everything is this this process and i, I don't think i appreciated that like i i think i even said it last time like i've been guilty of just talking shit and being like fucking this fucking that and because that's the easiest thing that you can do totally it's so easy to criticize like yeah, totally. somebody else's shit but you know when you're actually in it and doing it and you sort of realize like oh, fuck, it takes a pretty long time like it's, a, it's why you guys didn't go to marvel year one yeah it absolutely is um it's a building process and, and i think you know i like to think that people can want to influence and be positive if they want to see change they get behind it and be part of it like one thing that really shits me is is people saying the sport should do this the track should do this why don't do this why don't do that it's like well have you ever actually put your hand up and offered to help in any way did you did you go to did you or even just talk to them and understand what their challenges are or aren't you know what i mean like like oh konsky should put on 10 more aussie guys like why doesn't he put on 10 more (laughs) aussie guys have you go and chat to him about it you'll learn in five seconds why that isn't the case yeah no one's more passionate than him um and i'm sure if he could he would but there's commercial realities it says to make a team work he needs to sell sponsorship to sell sponsorship. He needs guys that are going to win. That's why he hires Justin Brayton. Not because he's not yeah. a good bloke and doesn't want, you know, um, yeah. Aussies to do well. And it's the same with, with Craig Dack. I mean, I talked to them about them because they're the two most professional teams in our sport. They get to hire people to win. Like the guys from fucking Uzbekistan, if that's even yeah. the country, <laughs> that can win, that they'll have to hire him because yeah. they need someone that, that is going to win. It's the same as if you were going to build your dream home. You don't hire the guy down the street because he's a bum and he needs the job. <laughs> you know, you hire the guy that's going to build a fucking awesome house because you need an awesome house. You know, it's like, ah, oh, this guy's a battler. He looks like he can swim a, swing a hammer. Come and build my house for me, bro. I'll drop a million bucks in your account just to help me out and I'll help you out so that that's not the way business world works and it has to work as a business and people have got to see businesses for what they are which is they're a commercial entity they need to make money to survive and and, and our events the the same we didn't go to marvel stadium year one because there's a good chance we would have gone broke and we wouldn't be where we are today and we Mm. didn't we didn't have the experience even to do it even if we wanted to you know we didn't have the experience we hadn't proved the concept to know that we could sell enough tickets to make it work Mm. so and then it's easy to sit there and go fuck i wish they didn't go to the sydney ones fuck the truck's so small you know what i mean and and again it's easy to say that yeah but it's like okay this is the why yeah why we do it there's there's you know there's reasons and um that, that people don't always know and understand. It's not their job to either. You, yeah. You know, it's not their job to understand, but I think um, overall as a sport and in- industry, we, if we're supportive of each other, that we're a collective force, we can go forward in the right direction, we can make good, thing, good things happen, have great events, have, you know, awesome days riding, you know, a lot, a lot of positive can come out of it rather than sort of trying to shoot each other in the back, I guess. What are some of the goals that you guys have for, like, let's say, 2021 AusX? Like, have you guys got some pretty clear ideas of things that you want to do that that people might not know about? 
Um, I think our goals are more around the the whole Australian Championship because you know we're we're technically the promoter of that, as well as Ozx Open is, which is one of those. And we, there's obviously other promoters that that um, will work on the other events, etc. Yeah. Too. Um, but the goal is obviously Ozx Open, like I said earlier, will be to improve it and improve the experience from start to finish, entertainment you know starts from the moment you interact with it in the very first place so yeah there's that um but the overall standard of the series to improve and and for it to continue to step up so that again the teams the riders everyone have something to aspire towards and and we can and we can expose the sport to more people but also you know our biggest goals really is to push this this um this movement forward of of the sport and you know we're not just an event we want to be you know a brand that 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 is supporting that movement supporting people getting involved in riding we've got a new apparel range coming out that that we've been working on that's all about us and people that love moto it's not about just the event so i think that our biggest goal is really to just to continue trying to unite everyone that is moto yeah live that lifestyle get amongst it enjoy it the events will continue to step forward and and obviously we want everyone to be there to enjoy it um but really we want to just continue to grow the whole thing. How, so realistically, can there be, I don't know, you tell me the years down the track this would have to be, but can there be a a case where Marvel is like our Vegas and then you've got a Sydney and you guys run an event in Sydney and then there's, like we had um, Boondall this year, like uh, last year, which that's... Like, I don't know, maybe I'll get your take on this, but, like, do you think it's worth even racing in a stadium that's not going to produce kind of good racing on a track like that? Like, I understand why they go there. It's not a knock in any way, shape, or form. But just in terms of, like, big picture, like, is it worth going to those places? Or is, like, is there a better option? And then is the sport itself, or, like, not the sport, is our country even big enough to sustain, like we got Marvel and we've got a Sydney event and then we've got another big stadium event. Like, do you think we could do that? Or is the 35,000 people, I guess you said 80% of those aren't people that were involved in the industry. But I mean, is the industry big enough to support a championship where we could have like seven races all in stadiums with full size tracks? Or is that, or do we just need to face the fact that our, our sport and country isn't big enough? Like, where do you stand on that? I mean, I think it's not big enough right now. I mean, um, 30, uh, 35% um, people that came to Marvel came from outside Vic. Yeah. So, you know, whereas... So are you cannibalizing that event if there's other options in the uh, country? Yeah, I think that, that to be able to achieve that sort of level of attendance, it needs to be a one-off in the country. There yep. needs to be no other opportunity to see what you're going to see there anywhere else in Australia. Yeah. Um, and we will want to maintain that, at least for the foreseeable future. You know, do we hope that obviously that changes and we can sell out stadiums all through the country? Absolutely. I yeah. mean, that's 100% the dream. Um, and AFL does it, and that's a whole other level, obviously. It's a yep. whole other beast. But you know it's not that there isn't the people to an extent but at the moment our the people who know our sport the reach is very small yeah. the reach is small so that's what we need to grow because if they're talking to you know family and friends etc that's how it continues to grow yeah. and it just has to be done in a methodical yeah. fashion and yeah. i think you know if you look back at super x many years ago um for those that were around they did a phenomenal job a phenomenal series amazing venues great racing did a great job but, but they can't no they cannibalized it by doing seven awesome venues in seven 
um, in seven weekends in a row. And to be able to get 20 plus thousand crowd, you really are relying on interstate yeah. visitation. Yeah. Um, until that changes, you know, that's sort of where it sits. But um, our goal, I mean, you know, we have Tony Cochran who's a founder, yeah. of, the Viet, founder of the Viet Supercars that works with us. People might not know that that much. No, I think we not. talked about it in the last one, but. Yeah, so Tony started the V8 Supercars Championship and ended up selling it. Um, he's now the president of the Gold Coast Suns um, and he's an advisor to us. Ryan used to work with him at Supercars um, so that's how that relationship started. But there's no one better to advise us on mm. you know, a motorsport category and growing it to or motorsport slash entertainment category which, which is definitely where we want to be seen and growing that into you know, a, a huge national and even international commodity. Um, and his biggest lesson was, I mean, he, when the, the big one for them was Bathurst always. Mm. And then the next one was Adelaide. Um, yep. And there's a reason why Adelaide is in February and Bathurst is in October. And mm. that was far enough away at that stage. That was, they were the, that was the first one that he tacked on. And they were far enough away that, that um, people would still be pumped for Bathurst by the time you know they could go to Adelaide come from interstate go to Adelaide and they'd still be stoked to go to Bathurst in yep. October yep. and then you slowly added on as the demand continued to, to yep. increase and you slowly added on the other big ones at Gold Coast 600 and um, Townsville and things like that you know over time they didn't yep. just go boom like yep. Bathurst Adelaide Townsville because it, it's just like whoa that's too much so um, and that's our approach is like Ozix Open you know, the, the, it, the, it'll be the only event of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere, and, and it's like our Bathurst, I guess. But the others will continue to to lift. You yeah. know, so there'll be you know an Adelaide 500 or a you know a Townsville or you know yeah. our, our the rest of the series will will continue to increase. Um, you know, at a sustainable rate, and until the demand is there, then we won't bolt another one on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yes. you just end up yeah. killing each other. So it really is about taking our time to make sure the audience continues to grow and um and it's sustainable i guess yeah and i think that that's something that we i've never had you explain before but i think that's very very important for people even like fucking ma to hear mm -hmm. and it's like i'm not assuming their ignorance on that matter but like people need to know that because you guys are the ones that have the numbers you do you know you did the surveys like you know where these people are coming from and it it seems like the there could be criticism like oh yeah ame just wants to do their one big event they want to make their money and then they want to go home and like fuck the rest of it but it, it's sort of just not the case like there isn't that many people like we couldn't we couldn't do it at the metricon stadium and then two weeks later go to to marvel because I traveled to Marvel. All my friends traveled to Marvel. It was this huge weekend. It was like a pilgrimage in the way that Bathurst is or the Summer Nats is. You can't just do those over and over. And I think that in America, you can. They've got 300 million people to over 300 million but people. But they don't, they're probably not doing that travel though because the population is so big. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like in California, they have Australia's whole population. Whole population. So they have, say, what do they have? Three big supercrosses in, in Anaheim, yeah. In, 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 yeah. In, or in California, do they have three? Or well, they've got, well, well, you got four. Well, no, they don't do Dodgers anymore, but they've got Oakland as well. Yeah. So, or San Fran, I think they went to this year. So there's mm. four supercrosses. Four. So four. And then Phoenix is only four hours from LA. Yeah, so, so they're so they're talking essentially five races within yep. five hours drive, mm, but the same population as we have in the whole of Australia, which yep. is why our series at, at five 
good races, you're talking to the, you know, comparative the same amount of people as what California has yeah. just compressed into one state. Yeah. So people forget that too. It's like, why do we only have five races or why don't we yeah. have like five in stadiums? It's just like our population is a lot smaller than the USA. So don't compare yeah. us to them. Um, and so, you know, do we hope that we'll continue to, to grow and, and head that direction like absolutely that's what all of this is about that's why we, we, we want to do it but it is a long term plan it can't be like Super X no I don't I, mean, I just don't think well, that's it didn't work for I them it yeah. didn't work for them yeah. I mean it didn't work for them I, because again if you look at the data and also you know we wouldn't have the AusX Open it wouldn't be in Marvel Stadium without state government support yeah. and also major support from like Monster Energy yeah which there's not that level of support to replicate multiple times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. the, it's a multi, multi-million dollar event that needs big commercial support. Yeah. Our industry couldn't even afford it. If we went to them and said, we're going we're gonna to do three other events to the scale of AusX Open, we need you to sponsor us for the same amount for all of them, they'd be like, nah, bro. We can't afford it. Yeah. So, and they're, so um, you know, it just isn't sustainable yeah. yet. Do we think that? It, I mean, we believe it is. We believe it's way cooler than supercars. We believe it's cooler yeah. than AFL, NRL, anything. We think it's the best sport in the world. So, we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't think that we could continue to grow it, and that, and there could be multiple, you yeah, know, and continue to be better events in every state and region. But um, it's just a it's just a process, and we want to take our time. Yeah, and I think that yeah, that's cool to to hear <laughs> that that directly from you guys. Um, and then I think then the question is so. All right, am I am I correct in saying that we probably shouldn't go to like bundle and do or bundle or whatever to do the supercross where it's four lanes, eight riders on the start? Like, because I and it, I'm not knocking anyone's efforts. Like, mm. fucking stoked, gr- mm. like glad that we had a place to go racing, but I don't think that eight riders on a gate in a just because it's in a stadium like I just don't think that does the sport justice and it's like if we want to think about it in a long term all right what's going to get us to the point where we can have five races in six stadiums full-size tracks like let's say that's our 10-year goal what helps us get there quicker just being in a stadium or do we need to guarantee full-size american tracks with 20 riders on the gate really good quality uh tracks to give us really good quality racing and then we leverage the quality of the racing or is it about being in a stadium i mean that's the million dollar question but i mean our opinion has been and was in in sydney which is why we 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 went there in the first place was that the production values and the enter, the, the entertainment that, yeah, experience that you can provide in a stadium the entertainment experience which is it, it's more than just racing right it's comfortable toilets it's mm, decent food so it's beers misses, you can kids. bring your missus their mm. feet aren't, their shoes aren't getting dirty it's good car parking it's all of those things so you're a hardcore fan as am I mm. but for someone that's just going to take their parent they take their kids take their four year old do they want to drive out to a regional venue to stand in the dirt and or the beating down sun or potentially rain mm. to take their four-year-old to watch or do you go well, it's inside the stadium we don't give a shit that the track's a bit smaller the kid's just gonna froth they because they don't know any better they just want to watch bikes go around and that and and obviously music lighting blah 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 all those things can be you know weigh the entertainment you know in a positive direction even though that the track size the rhythm lanes aren't as long but you know like does it does a 
Does a parent of a young kid that's never seen Supercross give mm. a shit if there's a step-on, step-off, triple quad versus a double tabletop corner? They don't give a shit. Honestly, yeah. they don't care yeah. because yeah. they don't know. They don't uh-huh. care. And when I went to, to Rod Laver Arena when I was a kid, I frothed on it. I thought it was the best thing ever and that track is the smallest in the country. So... I'm torn on it a little bit because I'm a hardcore fan and mm. I get and and because our fans are very well educated they know what the US has you know we have access to content and television daily on the US so you know that you know whereas back in the day you would have to have got a you know in, in when mm. we were kids a VHS and watch the the end, the end of the super the series Supercross highlights video yeah, yeah you know what I mean so you weren't able to really comp- have a direct comparison of how poor Australia was in comparison but now you yeah. do yeah um, so I'm torn on it for that sense but at, at the same time but in terms of the data like what you guys actually know yeah that does make sense but I the can. new person doesn't care doesn't yeah. care about the rhythm lanes the size of the track they care about the overall night out for their family and, and that's really we, the thing and then if we want to circle all the way back to like what we were just talking about is like motorcycling is awesome we need people to just like bikes to get a bike to then go and live that lifestyle pass it down to their kids so yeah okay I can change my position well it's, it's it's not like I'm not saying it is one way or the other because as a hardcore but, but fan it makes I, more it does make sense on the in the way of you're just going to attract like the people don't care like we just need more we need bums on seats and to get bums in seats they just probably need to be good seats yeah they need to have a yeah. seat yeah. you know they need to have a seat they yeah. need to not be in the sun getting yeah. smashed or that or in the rain because yeah. that ain't gonna give you a positive experience of supercross if you're going there standing in the rain you ain't going back probably mm. and p.s if it's in the rain the bikes don't even get off the ground so that's not supercross either mm. so it doesn't mean that all events are going to be indoors because that's just the reality yeah but um, I mean, we had it early days so much um, backlash about being in the Sydney Stadium. So much. I mean, I, I think I said to you the other day, I had people emailing screenshots of ANZ Stadium going, hey, dudes, you realize there's ANZ Stadium running? So it's like, no shit, man. We know. <laughs> but we can't afford to use it. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's outdoors. So what if it rains and yeah. all these things? So Townsville Supercross was a good example of that. Fucking pissed down there. Jeremy McGrath there couldn't even see the cunt. Well, you couldn't see him and then he didn't get off the <laughs> didn't ground. Who the fuck you, it was. Yeah. So so it's a tough. It was probably Bocker I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> he would looped it out it's a tough it's a tough balance yeah and i don't like it's one that we we battle with ourselves because i mean melbourne's a prime example if we had gone to amy park monster jam's been there for many years twenty two thousand, we would have sold out like that yeah. amy park would have sold out like that and it would have cost us literally seven or eight hundred thousand dollars less to go there mm. but if it had rained and poured rain and then everyone had a ridden round in the slop and the fans were getting rained on would they come back again no and that was what we invested in to go to Marvel. We were just like, well, we need, we can protect, we're we can a guarantee show. an amazing experience if we're indoors and in a big in that venue. And obviously, that's why we did Sydney in indoors to begin with. Mm. Um, because if you're going to invest in international riders like we do, invest in in you know pyro and light. And the other thing is, when you're indoors, you can control the environment, so lighting and everything. When you're outdoors, if the sun stays up to nine thirty, the show finishes at ten. You've got, yeah, you got in, a half an hour. In Melbourne, yeah. you literally would have half an hour of darkness. To see the pyro. To, to see the pyro. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of considerations, um, but it's a tough one because as a hardcore fan, it's like if I've got Jason Anderson there, I want to see him like doing some sick shit. I don't want to yeah. see him riding around on a, on a little mini track. Yeah. But then if I've never seen it before, I would prefer to be indoors and be able to 
you know if there was uh, i want to be indoors and i want to be able to be comfortable and i want my kid needs to be able to go to the toilet and i need to be able to get food and i'm going to take my missus which means i'm not yeah. going to drag her out to fucking some shithole because the track's bigger i don't give a fuck i want to <laughs> you know she doesn't care yeah so there's there's a a balance there's to a real be struck, there's yeah. a real balance to be struck which is why i think you know marvel ozx open you know can be at that level and 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 will obviously push that but then the other events may appeal to slightly different audiences or be in a more regional area, um, mm. you know, or, you know, a, a different experience. Um, but still the race, the racing, you know, Ozx Open, we throw curveballs in that the hardcore fan might not like and just goes, this fucking, like, again, like having a drum off, for example, hardcore fans are like, this is shit. Why are we doing that? Yeah. And we're just like, that was a just enjoy. Well, yeah. And then someone else is like, that's yeah. sick. And like someone that's never been to Supercross before was like, that's sick. Did, can you believe that they did that? Yeah. So, as a hardcore fan, so, or what we would love, which is not the reality, but you want the hardcore fans to understand that some of the things There's that give it, take, yeah, yeah give a yeah, bit of take, yeah. you know, give and take, because you got to understand that the person sitting next to you may never have seen a dirt bike before in their life, yeah, and and so they're loving the fact that there's mini bikes out on the track, and they're loving the fact that there's this or that, or you're explaining this or that kind yeah. of thing. So, but as a hardcore, you're just like race more, you well, know. That's all I care about. Like a good example is like Tim and Trudy Edwards. Yeah. So Tim obviously knows fucking heaps about moto. Yeah. And Trudy would as like residual, she'd get like the secondhand smoke off that. But she loved that event. Mm. And it's like you 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 are satisfying both people, which it's probably just something that the hardcore fan doesn't you know take into consideration and. You know, you hear anybody that goes to the US. I remember when I was a kid racing and, you know, you'd have a someone like two or three people every year from Cairns would go to A1 and they'd come back. Only thing they talked about was opening ceremonies. Yeah, crazy. And they, you know what? Those opening ceremonies have been the same for 15 years. Yeah, true. Huh? Essentially. Yeah. Um, but it gives you a buzz. It gets you excited. Like that buzz, that hair standing up on your arms and that excitement is what is, that's part of the package. That's mm. part of the entertainment. Yeah. Um, and racing and supercross as a sport is in, just an amazing spectacle. So I think the short answer is whatever we can do to get people to see it and lo- and fall in love with it is what we need to do. Yeah. But how you strike that balance is very hard because an indoor venue, you know, like a boondle, for example, it's protected from weather. So that should be a good, safe experience. It's bloody expensive. So you can go to a, a cheaper venue with a bigger track, but it pours rain and then, or, or do people go because there's not even a seat and then they don't want to mm. go to Supercross again. You know what I mean? Like where does it sit as to, in what part is it better um, for, for the for the sport, you know, um, and, and a, a potentially profitable exercise versus, mm. you know, I'm a hardcore fan, it needs to be a bigger track. So let's just, you know, you go out to a paddock, you can have the biggest fucking track you ever you want. Who cares? Because there's no yeah. issues. The yeah. dirt's there, dig a hole, make it bigger. Who cares? <laughs> but that's not going to get a new family to take their yeah. five-year-old. Yeah. So it's you need to like pay we, for all somehow. Yeah, it's almost like we, yeah, there's those events that we all need to, like as the hardcore people or even like the races, because the races complain about Boondor and shit as well. But it's almost like there needs to be a, a mix and it's like, okay, guys, and and maybe that's just where general like with you guys coming in as more like there's like a leadership figure now in in terms of the sport and its direction to where it's like okay guys here are the challenges that we're faced with we understand boondles fucking shit to race on and there's eight people that make the main sorry it's probably gonna fuck some championships like that you know jats dnf the first round you know and then gets fourth at marvel or whatever and it's like okay that's probably gonna happen but it's part of a plan and even you know 
I'm there going like, why the fuck do we go there? Like, it's pointless. There's no racing. Like, it's not really racing. But yeah, to understand the points that you made, I'm like, all right, well, if the big picture is to eventually just to keep growing our sport, this is what it takes. Like, this is the cost of of growth. Mm. It's like, I mean, instantly easier for me to swallow. I'm like, all right, cool. Fuck, we'll go to Burnley. Mm. <laughs> you know well, I mean, is. super and Supercross is the entertainment spectacle too. So Supercross is the one that we're going to use to try and attract new people which means that you know you're going to throw curveballs that the hardcore racer might not love i mean the riders hate our triple header format at ozx open because mm. it's fucking hard on them it's difficult yeah. it's re- it's not ideal for them because their bikes are running hot they're friggin they got to go race to race to race but you know what Six as a, start, as, as three, a starts. three starts back to back with yeah. a couple of minutes in between but as a spectator it's fucking awesome well you know what so, you know what really reminded me of that was the the, what was the TV special, the Chad Reed one that you guys did? And was it 16 when him and were, Coop was on the Yamaha? 15. 15. Yeah. Dude, I wasn't there because I was, I was still in America for the first two Sydney ones. And, like, I watched that when it was on TV and I was like, fuck me dead. That was, like, the sickest, right? Like, that was, hands down, one of the sickest like racing mm. highlights I've ever seen and that was derived from that format on a small track. Mm. Like, so if you remove yourself from it and you just like watch it for what it is on that TV package, that that also really did change the way I looked at that track in particular because I was like, that is some crazy fucking racing. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, you know, making it uncomfortable for the riders... Um, sometimes makes the best entertainment mm. because as a fan you're like holy shit what's going to happen here like three races back to back like that's hard, so hard who, who like man that's sketchy How do, I can't believe they're going to do that that's not you know the, the riders would love to go have a breather and sit down and have some water and prepare for the next change one change the suspension of course and, yeah. of course they would or you know, I mean, we've had teams and um, I don't mind mentioning Konski we blued about it because he's <laughs> like what if Justin Brayton stacks at the first one I'm like well, if he stacks at the first lap of a 20 minute of a 20 lapper, he's fucked too. Yeah. So I know it's not ideal, but you know what? Like as a fan, it creates that anxiety and that level of pressure that I think is what entertainment is. Yeah. And you know what? Like that was one of my criticisms of like being around the American scene and you'd hear some stuff that, you know, people want to changes. And like, I got, I got to hear a fair bit of shit and you'd be like, Hmm. Roger DeCosta, the cock block. <laughs> like, pretty much, like, any change, really, anything yeah. that goes away from, like, standard 20-minute, 20 uh, 20-lap mains or and then, you know, to 20-minute, anything, anything that could throw a fucking spanner in the works of Roger DeCosta's program, vehemently against it. Yeah, right. And it's like, oh, dude, like, there probably needs to be some give and take. Totally. And, like, I'm the... Everybody, by this point, knows. Not a Kevin Williams fan. <laughs> But that dude made some fucking amazing calls with the formats mm. in like, I'd say 07, 08, 09, peak, like recent memory, like the Marmont, McFarlane, um, Moss, the JDR, CDR rivalry, like that era was insane. We got crazy championships every single year. Totally. That was a result of those back races. Back to back formats. You know, those, yeah, different formats changing each week. And mm. like, I can never take credit away from that. Like, that yeah, totally. was that was the right move mm. for well, the, thing is the that, sport. Yeah. And I think people have got to remember if you take away the certainty of yeah. the result, that's entertainment. Yeah. And that's, that's why you've got to throw curveballs because 
It's like, and the teams and the riders, you know, or drivers in the supercars world hate it. Yeah. But that's what makes it exciting because shit, what's going to happen? Yeah. And that's what makes you want to watch. And and yeah, there there does unfortunately have to be a balance between like the, you know, because you know what? Racing for 30 minutes twice in the heat probably does show you who the best rider is. Or the toughest, 100%, for sure. But does it get fucking boring like absolutely every single week i know what so. i mean i mean i'm a hardcore fan but i will not sit down and watch 30 minute 30 minute 30 minute 30 minute haven't done it at all this year me neither people have asked me why we haven't done motocross companion and like it's hey like, sorry takes too fucking long i'm over it like and you're a hardcore fan so what does that say do you know what i mean gets, yeah. so i mean i would rather be out riding than sit there and spend that long watching it so supercross isn't that supercross needs to be short sharp yeah explosive yeah no i yeah i i totally <coughs> totally agree um the do you want to talk at, at all about like the foundation stuff that you want want to set up or, or anything like that yeah i don't um, know like how sure. much you want to get into it or yeah if you've for got- sure i mean um you know it's an idea sando and i had really which comes from everything we're talking about which is just you know we want to support the grassroots level of the sport and we want to see um you know the experience improving for people that want to get into it yeah and we sort of break it right back to like what are the barriers of 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 why you would or wouldn't take your kid to get involved in motocross and yeah. i thought to myself well if you go there the 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 facilities are got to be good the infrastructure has got to be good the the track needs to be prepped properly like what are the barriers for people wanting to race you know and those are the things you got to think about it if you get there the overall experience needs to be you know comparable to another sport or another Mm. another option um and i'm not going to take my daughter to go stand in the sun you know at a dusty motorbike track compared to you know um go play basketball indoors or something like that again with the canteen and yeah so motocross as a sport needs help in that area and we want to set up an organization which we're going to or, or a movement at least within the OzX organization to raise funds for um clubs and gra- at a grassroots level to try and help them improve their infrastructure help them improve you know toilets facilities start gates track preparation all the things that are the barriers yeah and, and those clubs and the volunteers within the clubs don't necessarily have the means or the time or the funds the to, expertise or the expertise yeah. like um it really came I was speaking to a president of a club in Shepparton um, in Victoria who's and, and, and a couple of those guys, great guys and working really hard on wanting to run events in Shepparton and we want to run a series and want to get want a series, get a series going in Vic um, and, imp- and we just want to make sure we get enough entries and we want to make sure, you know, it goes well and blah, blah, blah because two-day races, you know, camping, staying out, everything, people haven't been doing it for recent years. And I said, well, I think, you know, like, the track is obviously going to be the first thing like people are going yeah. to, to race and ride like you guys went to rocking knowing the track was going to be awesome and yep. you were super keen to go because it's going to be fun like first and foremost you're going to ride your dirt if you're going to race you want to go to ride on a track that you're going to enjoy riding yes so i said you know like what's the what would it take for you guys to just prepare to for you to be able to promote to all the riders that the track's been fully rebuilt and the track's going to be the best it's been and so therefore you don't want to miss this event he's like oh two and a half grand or something and i was like what two and a half grand like and that's that's a barrier like for like for these clubs to be able to like prepare the tracks properly so that when there's a race on people get there and it's well watered it's well ripped and it's yeah. prepped you know you go to a practice track like park for mx or, or ride park or mx farm or you know the tracks prepped so well 
and they're, they're not racetracks. You mm. go to a racetrack often, it's not at that level. And that's because they're not being run as businesses. They're being run as a volunteer club organization. Yeah. Um, so those, they don't necessarily have the expertise to prep it to yeah. that level or let alone the funding. It's not a commercial entity, you know. Um, so we want to help raise money through the industry. Basically, just get every, all of us together that work in the industry, yourself included, and it'd be just like, hey, let's rally some support for these clubs and help them out so that we can improve the standards so that it removes some of the barriers of yeah. people getting into moto. Like if yeah. we can we can throw some cash at some clubs to redo the start gates, have an undercover area, like I said, have toilets with seats on them or whatever it takes, yeah. you know, whatever they need. And, and like, um, so... To a, the, a good example of someone doing it fucking good is market MX Farm. So we drive three hours each way. Sometimes we do it all in the same day. So six hours of driving pretty much because I want to hit that triple. Mm. Like that's it. That's like it. I know when I go there that that place is going to be good. I Like me and Sammy, we went for the MX store um, ride weekend, which was which was awesome and I'll, I'll probably talk a bit more about that as well but like we get up there I we don't have to take lunch you, you know you don't have to stress on packing heaps of shit like we took the van we took some swags a quick shade and a, a fridge with some drinks in it we get there we do our first moto we finish that we go upstairs and buy like a super legit chicken like just a chicken burger like I would if I was at the footy on Sunday you know you get hot chips you get hot dog whatever and then you go back do your other ride the camping's awesome like it's all grass there's trees everywhere that you can actually camp under and then they've got hot showers like these demountable hot showers I was I forgot that they were even good and I was like like I almost didn't have a shower because it was just typical track shower sort of bullshit get up there fucking showers incredible like like me and Jay Wilson were walking back we were fucking half cut we were like walking back we were like fuck I'd come back next week for a shower <laughs> like just carrying on but like that shit adds to the experience it makes a difference like a ma- it ta- like you said it takes out all of my reasoning like oh fuck I don't want to go sleep in me swag all fucking dirty like any of the resistance that you know, you could build up in your own head that would give you a reason not to go. Totally. If you take that away, then you've just removed like this resistance that actually does stop people. Yeah, remove the barriers exactly. And, and, that, then, and, that, that, and these clubs, and I mean, and Mark's a professional, and he he runs a, a you know a private business, and and he does that because people will keep going back, and they'll go back. Same with with Boyd, he does an awesome job, or, or Robert or Rob, Riper. Yeah. Like they're prepping it because it's a business, yeah. um, and they want people to keep coming back. But often with the clubs that are the where the races are held. Um, they're, they're volunteers and yeah. so they don't know how to prep a track like that yeah. they don't have it's not their own money either so yeah. they can't just like oh fuck it I'm just going to go chuck a couple extra grand into a yeah. thing they've got to get committee approval and blah 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 so you know we just feel so like so to set up a foundation that could help facilitate that because exactly. you know you do the math there's 250 riders at, at MX Farm Rob makes good money out of out of his place and Boydy with park four like there is money in it but mm. yeah it, it makes sense when you started talking to me about this foundation to just give these clubs a bit of a kickstart totally and yeah. i like i just don't know like i look at qmp i love riding there like that natural terrain track at qmp is fucking fun 
Like, I do absolutely love riding that, that yeah, track. it's awesome. But when you go there and it's not prepped and, and, you know, you don't have the same sort of services, it does take away a little bit from the experience. And I don't want to sit here and, like, make that out to be, like, this negative thing. I don't know the processes. I don't know what their level of, you know, who's in there that does it. Like, what are their barriers? I'm not sure. And I, I can't see anybody that has a track that's like I'm gonna make the track shit today <laughs> like, 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 no, like no one's got that attitude so no, like exactly. for me to leave like grumpy thinking that someone's been out to fuck my ride like I'm a dickhead at that point if that's the way I want to think but you know like it, there's a thing where I think that yeah if there's a that there's a way that we could make it to where like alright you need like when we were driving there last time you mentioned even making good flyers with like Mm. graphic designers um you know and and the thing is is that there is some incredibly talented people within our industry and you want to talk about graphic design alex at rival there you go any like you've got designers sammy's got designers there's a, a bunch of graphics companies there's a bunch of clothing brands there's a bunch of um you know people that are in this industry with the skills that could contribute in a and it would be easy but yeah makes sense that without a foundation or without a a leadership essentially that can kind of point these people in the right direction Mm. that it's going to be hard to make those changes yeah i mean it's one of those things that that we just feel like it needs to happen so we'll do it you know and I think it's a benefit of COVID to be honest because we've had some time we're just like how do we been riding yeah we've been riding I'm just like rediscovered the love for it I guess and it's just like what are the things that stop people want to get into racing and riding and the races these days the races and the quality of the race tracks aren't as good as some of these practice tracks so that is a barrier so we need to help these guys step up their game and and there's enough of us interested in the sport and you know from an industry perspective you know like yourself that um, that we can have influence. We, if there's enough money being spent in the sport, and there's enough yeah. motorcycle sales and apparel sales and all the rest of it, there's enough that we can actually make a massive difference. We can actually completely transform the sport at a grassroots level. I honestly believe that, and and it just really is that someone's got to grab the bull by the horns. And I'm not saying that we're going to be the saviors, <laughs> yeah. but I'm saying that with your help, with Sammy's help, with the manufacturers' help, with Kevin Williams' help, or anyone that will yeah. offer us some input and get on board with this journey, and then then we can do it. You yeah. know, and we can we can make it so that riders that get into racing just like that was sick. I had the best weekend and and just race you know and enjoy the experience yeah far better than that you know there has been some negativity for years now where they're just like oh you know tracks used to be so much better and now it's shit and blah 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 and it's just like well fuck let's help these guys step yeah. it up step it up like the the president of the Shepton club that i was talking about had only been involved in motocross for two years because his son is involved mm. it's like he doesn't have the experience that we do of going to tracks all around the country and overseas yeah. to see how they do it or yeah. the, or, or a, a professional event company to know how to run an event how to run a the, I'm not saying he doesn't this, but how to run a budget for an event and this yeah, and that, or how to yeah. get sponsorship, or how to have market market properly, yeah. or you know what I mean, like get riders there. Yeah, like let's just you know, the, there's enough of us, there's enough of a movement, there's enough of us riding. Let's just band together mm. if we can all chuck in twenty bucks to try and you know to try and like create a fund or a pool, you know, to 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 support some of these clubs. I think that we can we can make a big difference. Yeah, and so what some of the ideas that you guys have in terms of like yeah raising some capital distributing capital like have you have you guys got 
super far down the road in, in that sense? Uh, I mean, early days, but we're going to create a, an apparel line to start with that we can just sell and just all profits go to it. Yeah. So it'll be called We Are Moto and yep. that will come out just on ozxopen.com and we'll start selling that with apparel and just all the money that we can raise. Like if it's, you know, a thousand bucks, five thousand bucks, whatever. Um, and that's a starting point. Um, we'll speak to the industry and the brands and the, the manufacturers, which we already have, you know, initially about this and how to support it and how we need their support and, and, and them to actually sponsor it and yeah. raise some money. Um, so, you know, ride days, things, honestly, I don't know. We'll just yeah. want to, we just want to get us all together and just be like, hell yeah, let's just go this direction. You know, Yamaha, we need Yamaha as much as we need Honda, KDM, Husky. Yeah. We want them all to be like, yep, this is a value. Let's go and let's, uh, let's try and improve it for, for the future generations, I guess. Yeah, and there's definitely been a, a really solid push in the coaching front as well. Like Todd's doing his, you know, regional tours, um, mm. which has been awesome. Jay Wilson's been doing yep, his ride awesome. days. Like obviously Lee Hogan yep. has like continues to do to do his stuff. So I think like I guess it's just it's one of those things that it's life in general, right? Like you can't just put all of your eggs in this one part of life and hope that if like let's say Ozx, it's like all right, we're just going to make the fucking sickest event ever. It's one night. It's going to be this incredible thing and that'll take care of everything else in the industry. Mm, it's nah. like we we really do have to start thinking about it across all levels of the, the sport and the industry and go like, okay, so it's sort of like you said with the event. It's like it starts the day that you... The, the second you buy your ticket and then you're getting your emails and your updates and it's almost like that same thing it's like it starts when you buy a bike from the dealership and it's like maybe the, the this foundation we need to get together with the the manufacturers and be like okay what's the what's our first point of contact once somebody buys a dirt bike bang this is this pamphlet that they get or this is this website that they get pushed to this has got info on like where you can ride and i know mx stores done a bunch of stuff with yeah. like their their track locators and stuff yeah. like that so yeah. there is that stuff starting to happen yeah but i feel like if yeah we could get this uniform kind of protocol where it's like this is the process you sell a new or used yamaha or ktm you get this link to this website it's going to give you your coaching in your area it's going to give you the tracks in your area how can you get involved you know like connect with somebody else in this area. you know there's yeah, that totally. sort of stuff to where it's like instead of just like bye bye yeah fuck see you mate, see you, mate. good rip, luck rip it up come yeah, back when you need some tires yeah <laughs> you know yeah good I mean? luck yeah yeah totally i mean um example for me which is awesome and i don't know I mean, it's not that easy to replicate is um like urban surf in in melbourne yeah. so it's a it's a wave pool brand new wave pool but when you go there um there's a school okay the surf academy over there then there's beginner waves intermediate waves expert waves obviously for the good guys but you, like there's a, a shop yeah right there's a <laughs> shop that you can get whatever you need but you can rock up go get go get a lesson get told what you need go buy the shit that you need and get out there and have a go and i think the moto space in a racing component definitely isn't like that mm. currently like you go there and you're like if you really 
went to check out a local race meeting because you're interested in getting involved you're like where the fuck like where do I what, go what, How is do, what, what is even happening like I've been what's doing yeah I've been to even some of the practice tracks sometimes and guys are like where do I go What you know yeah. you know, like you've got to for someone to really be keen to get involved in something new you've got to really make it easy and you've got to you've got to remove those barriers like I said because if you're going there with your five year old and you haven't you have no moto knowledge yourself if you're turning up with your five year old like that's pretty daunting to put your kid on a on a motorbike if you've got no idea yourself about how to teach him how to do it like where do i get lessons like where do yeah. i how do i teach i don't know how to teach my kid how to ride i don't even know you know what i mean so hey, that's i the don't thing. even know how to fucking ride and i'm 32 i'm doing <laughs> size five i, I hope, I I hope my kids don't learn from me <laughs> i'm gonna send them i'm gonna send them to bcp or, or <laughs> one of the other guys jay wilson <laughs> todd waters 100 before i'm gonna teach him <laughs> so but you know like that Again, remove the barriers. So we, we, all we want to do, I mean, it's it's just start a movement to be like, hey, everyone, hey, Gypsy, we're going to try and get this ride together. We're going to try and raise some funds. Can you help it through your channels? Like yeah. we're all on the same team here. Let's just keep building this thing and inject back into it so that, you know, our kids and our kids' kids, you know, have the amazing experience that we didn't have this life that we had and have been given because of this sport. Like we need to help reduce those barriers, I think. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally totally agree and when you like when we spoke to it on the way to the track the other day i was just i couldn't believe that like we hadn't done that sooner to be honest like, i, know, I couldn't believe that we fucked up on that and that there isn't this foundation or something that uh yeah has this because you know you, like my dad was um oh, fuck, i can't remember what he exactly was at the club but he was like the fucking secretary you know what i mean or like the vice president or whatever and it's like those guys are just so on their own, eh? Like, that was just dad having a crack, trying to do what he could for the, the you know, for the sport it, itself. But it's like, who's the who's the one that they lean on? And it's like, I'm not sure whether, like, should it be MA or MQ? But, like, you know, they're a, dis, they're a ghost of, like, essentially to me, unfortunately, MA is the piece of paper that I say I was at a track. Yeah, I mean, that's I, and that, that whole space is really hard to understand when you're not in it. <coughs> Sorry, and I'm and I'm not either. I mean, MA is the the national racing competition body. I mean, yeah. they're for national races, and yeah. they facilitate, permit, officiate races on like a national the, on a national level. Yeah. So this isn't them. Yeah. You know, the state bodies maybe somewhat, which we don't sort of deal with that much, and maybe somewhat they could or should, um, but if they're not it's up to us but, it, but it's also it's a commercial thing like I don't I don't want to say that they should do this because I don't know if they do yeah. or don't have money or you know what I mean yeah Where, I'm the same you, as well you know but it's one of those things that I don't know the commercials of how they work and I know yeah. that it's a very challenging also the other thing is they face really challenging processes because there's board structures and you've yeah. got to you've got to they've got to have a certain meeting and the committee's got to approve on this this and this and blah 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 and I, you know for us it's kind of like let's remove that and make this a business thing that we're just like we're just gonna raise money yeah. and put it back in where it's needed and yeah. we'll come up with the decision making process that we want to do yeah. and the people uh, people obviously only get involved if they trust that we've got the best interests at heart which hopefully they, they will and um, and do it whereas it's just not that easy for some of those organisations in yeah. fairness to them whereas if you're a commercial business that you know um this is what we do and we're making a product yeah we're gonna make it yeah we're gonna we're gonna come up with a way you know without the barriers that they probably face so i think it's just one of those things we you you sit back and you 
and wait for others to do it or yeah. we just just go do it ourselves like yeah. all of us you know what i mean and i think that we honestly can do that yeah definitely we are all in a in a position now to where like we've got the reach we've got the you know i guess like the influence within the industry to make those changes and yeah there's just no point not doing that now yeah. essentially and you think about like i feel sorry for motocross if you think about it because think about our afl and it's just a juggernaut it's a beast yeah. and they they constantly putting money into the lower the, the grassroots level and club competition and it's just a it's literally an engine that's just like growing and growing and growing it's and an it's ecosystem commerce. like they they understand the money to be made like there's at a club level there's money to be made at a um you know state level then you get into the industry of the professionals whereas yeah we we sort of just have like this investment into the professional level of racing and then hope that that just inspires enough people to buy and then it's like you're on your own yeah after after that yeah and and you you and there's a hugely important role for professional racing because it's the pinnacle and there's something to inspire towards yeah but you also need the support of the lower level that gets that entry yeah so if someone's someone goes to Ozx open have never seen a dirt bike before and they just go man this is awesome they've got to be able to find out easily how do I get my kid into this? This is how you do it. And then yeah. and then say they, the, the answer is you've got to go check out a local race. And then they go to it. It's got to be, they've got to go there and, 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 and have a good experience to mm. start with. Or if they, if they get a mini bike and they decide to go, they've got to have a good ex- experience. Go, enjoy it. The facilities are good. Like I said, it, it's, you know, and, and that's all the things that keep people engaged and keep them growing, keep them mm. participating. And, and you want to stay in it for longer if the experience is better um and then they, they may continue on forever they may just they may be a champion racer or they may just be a club person yeah. that just rides for fun and that's awesome too but that first experience is i don't feel like has been focused on yeah you know so we've kind of ozx open is like focused on the absolute pinnacle and growing that and, and but we're doing it as fans that we want to engage and entertain yeah f- for for people but we're now saying, well, we also need to. We've just had a, we've had a year off from Ozx Open thanks to Corona. Shit, we need we can help and spend some time, you know, at the the very very base level, the entry point level. Yeah. And and if we all together band together, then we can improve that ex- experience um, and inject back into the sport at an early stage, so that people get involved, enjoy it, and have the same enjoyment that we do, and actually get yeah. to get to get engaged with it and get locked into it for years to come. Hopefully, yeah. Because once you're in, you're in, and 100%. it's like it's so many people. Like eighty percent of the people that filled the stands at Marvel had no affiliation to motorcycling, and then so you take that eighty percent, and then let's say a percentage of those is converted to people that walk into a bike store or buy a bike off Gumtree. And it's like there that that's like the vulnerable stage essentially is like trying to convert those people because it's almost like if you look at it in three stages you've got like the pinnacle of the sport, the hardcore fans like us that are going to go. I don't give a fuck about the fireworks. I just want to see Jason Anderson and Chad Reed and fucking Jets. Like you know that's the that's my shit. That's what I care about. But that's because I've been filtered through this grassroots level and it carried me through to get me to that point so it's like the people in the middle you've got them but it's that the top feeds the bottom and then the bottom has to facilitate people into that middle mm. and then that cycle just keeps filling exactly. and then and then we, we start to thicken out those middle 
the people that are in the middle that they're going to go to every race whether it's in boondle or in jimboomba or marvel like they're they're in but yeah it is like and i think that urban surf is such a great analogy for that like there's no like my housemate jackson like he can't buy a bike at the moment he's gonna try and get himself a bike but like what would that kid do well what would that dude do if he just wanted to go ride on the weekend without owning a bike there's no bike rentals there's no come and try there's no like demos where you know there's no 250s that yamaha has at mx farm and a employee that goes there on saturday for three hours to like do demo rides like there is none of that so like those are are barriers for entry as well and it's like maybe there's even programs that you know can be put in place through this to where you know i'm just fucking speaking out my ass here but like Yamaha gives a race plan to a guy and then it's like you yeah you get this bike for the year but you've got to do eight eight eighteen hours for the year of like these demo days where you we give you this sponsorship through Yamaha you become a Yamaha ambassador we've got these bikes at QMP or MX farm you got to do three hours on a Sunday Mm, And and I think that's what being a pro racer should probably be to be totally honest with you because I don't think particularly in this country the racing is at a level where you can just race you're an yeah. ambassador yeah. which means if you're an ambassador I mean Jay Wilson's a, a beautiful example because he does it really well yeah. and he puts yeah. it, and so does Todd and yeah. they put in the time and they and he goes to the track and he coaches people and he teaches them how to ride and he bees approachable and he tells them all about the bikes like I'm talking like basic shit like when I first started and because my dad wasn't into it I didn't even know you had to change the air filter I didn't know yeah. that you had to do that and I remember someone just going so yeah. how often do you change your air filter I'm like oh what well, dude, like the, does this thing have a power band I don't know <laughs> the fucking dude Jay Ronenberg told me the funniest story eh? he, he pulled up to Lake that was his first ever race and Derek pulled out a fucking deck chair and started reading the paper <laughs> and, and like Jay had no idea what to do he totally. was like all fizz like dad I'm gonna go race yeah. I'm gonna do this and then he'd get there fucking pull the bike off the trailer and just was like <laughs> I don't know what to fucking do exactly so then he, he ended up saying that uh, Bo Ralston was like hey man you gotta screw they just happened to park next to him they, they were lifelong friends by the way and Bo Ralston is the reason JDR started a wow. team but and that was from his first day at a track but then anyway he did scrutineering and stuff and then he gets back and Derek goes wait if we got you want to go get a file I think you've got to sharpen your foot pegs before you ride because he said someone's dad was fucking sharpening foot pegs and like they just had no idea that they thought before you raced you had to sharpen your yeah. foot pegs but that's the level of it yeah and that's where you know as a as a pro guy if I was a pro guy if I was advising a pro guy I'd be like get down to those races and help out like go and chat to people like you, if you see people I mean I remember at Park 4 Max at Boydies one time this dude like was riding right uh, riding a brand new Yamaha YZ 250 ate shit in front of me huge had this huge <laughs> stack and I was like fuck man like brand new bike I was like are you alright and I shit you not he was wearing he goes oh just like 
pulled the throttle on and I couldn't control it and like he got a bit of arm pump or something. He's wearing the dude was no, no, he wasn't. That's the problem. He was wearing road bike gloves, leather road bike gloves that you know they're like yeah, that. they're like in a shape. And I said, I said, dude, no wonder you can't control it. You've got these gloves on. You can't even use the brake. And he's like, oh really? And I'm like, I like gave him some gloves. I'm like, yeah, man, that's gloves. But he's just eating shit. And if no one had like actually highlighted him to the fact that hey mate this will make it easier for you yeah do you know what i mean like and, mm. and we've got to think like that if you're at the i mean if if you're at, if you're at the practice track and you see some dude that has no idea like give him a hand and like try you might actually change someone's experience and yeah. like make them a fan of the sport purely because you just helped them with something that was so bloody obvious to you but they didn't know like yeah. it's you know what i mean like you can really make a difference like that and i think that's what this is about it's like culture just a culture yeah. like let's a culture shift like let's help people get into it let's help the clubs rather than say how shit they are and how they fucking need to water more and they need to prep better or whatever like how do we help them like yeah. if it, i'm like i know two and a half thousand dollars is a lot of money but i just don't but think it's not it's, really not, it's when, not in the overall yeah. scheme of things when you're thinking that like it could be the difference between people entering or getting involved or not or someone stacking because it's so dusty and square edge bumps they can't see yeah it's like well, in that case, I would way rather spend that money to make sure that they didn't have to go through that. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because their experience is going to be completely different. So I just think like, but if you're new to the sport, you yeah. don't really understand that. So if the, the guys running the clubs sometimes, not all the time, there's some clubs that know exactly what they're doing, but some of the times they're kind of like, oh shit, I didn't really even think about that. Mm. And it's like going to the club and then we've all been there where the dude's like watering the face of yeah, an up ramp jump and you're just that. like, fuck man, what Bruh. are you doing? You're yeah. trying to kill me. But he doesn't know. He don't know, yeah. just trying to help. We're just trying to do the right thing. So don't yell at the guy. Yeah. Don't abuse him like like we've probably all done at some point. Just go and stop fucking watering it. Go and talk to him. Go, hey mate. This is be, why. Yeah, it'd be really cool if you just watered that dusty bit down there rather than the top of the up ramp. Because his cousin's probably, he's flagging for his cousin who's the dude that's got the road bike He doesn't even want to be out there. <laughs> so, you know, I just think that there's, no, opportunity you, you for us, so right. there's opportunity for us all like as an industry, fans of the sport, whatever it is to like actually, you know, help this whole ecosystem get better for the experience for our, for our own experience and mm. for our own kids and families and everything just like put back into the sport and doesn't have to be financially it can literally be just go and like help someone that might be at the track doesn't yeah. know what they're doing man I have the like such a good example of this my best friend to this day like I'm his kid's godfather I met him he come in I was working at Kawasaki at the time cunt didn't buy a bike off me he went more to KTM <laughs> but he rocked up and he was just this fucking like little stocky dude tats everywhere and like first impressions i just thought he was a bit of a knob and um anyway he went off bought a ktm and then i saw him at the track there was like a practice and he had this old pajero with his ktm on a trailer no tools no gear bag literally a, a clothes basket and a ktm and that's it and he got a flat tire first lap of his brand new ktm oh. so then he started loading the bike up to go home and it was a fucking trillion degrees in camp. Like, it was the hottest day ever. He had no quick shade, sitting in the fucking sun. And, like, his experience of first time riding a motorcycle was just dog shit. And then no one really wanted to go talk to him because he sort of looked... He's a pretty tough-looking dude. And um, anyway, so I walked over to him and I was like, hey, what happened? And he's like, fuck, got a flat tire first fucking lap. Like, could you believe it? And I was like, oh, we've got tubes, so come over, Dad will change your tire. 
and he just couldn't believe it. He's like, nah, don't worry about it. I don't have any cash on me. And but dad's like, fuck it, bring your bike. And he's like, bring your gear and shit. Like, you can't be, it's fucking 40 degrees, man. Like, <laughs> you can't be doing that. And we always had like the big quick shade. Like, we've been doing it forever. You got it dialed. You're in. organized, yeah. So we went over, he changed his tire, he rode all day. And then, yeah, fast forward, I don't know when that would have been. That would have been like 07. 2018 he wins the world vet championships 45 plus jesus that's massive Aaron Hunt, fucking lord but like the guy <laughs> just didn't even know to bring a fucking chair or no. a spare tube he didn't have any tools so it's like you can make such a crazy difference in somebody's experience by like what you did with the gloves and you Mate, know like yeah, change a totally. tie for someone it doesn't take much no, nah, but there is a culture of, you know, the cool kids stick with the cool kids and the fast kids. But, like, we do need to just fucking obliterate all that. Because totally. we you you got to know that, like, you are all in it together. And the more people that end up being the fucking cool kids that know what they're doing and know how to bring tools and have a good quick shade and, like, yeah. the more of them we have and the, just the more people that are attracted, the better the rides are going to be, the better totally. the tracks are going to be, the more the races. Yeah. And I, I also think that um, the 30-plus thing was huge. Mm, like, having, that, having that 30-plus class, like, I really, really hope, like, hats off to Wardy. Like, he was the one to push to make that happen. Like, called him with the idea he said yes straight away in terms of like i'll see what i can do and then okay for sure yeah like the rocky club made it happen and i think we had like 16 riders in the class so it wasn't like it was a full gate but me personally like i want to ride that class totally well you don't want to go against 16 year olds that are fearless like you know what i mean like i'm fuckwits that don't have a job (laughs) they don't need to go to work on monday i'm not fearless i'm going there i'm shitting myself i don't want to hurt myself so you know what you let those guys go and race for sheep stations but i want to ride with dudes like me that have to work on monday yeah and 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 that'll be awesome but i mean yeah i mean i think we can all you know help one it's it don't want to get all like preachy and Gary V about it but it's just like being kind and helping people is is cool like yeah. that's actually cool like if you be the humble guy that goes over and goes hey dude do you need a hand yeah like mate this will stick with me for the rest of my life John O'Porter when I raced as a privateer I drove myself to Queensland to race Supercross at Archerfield Speedway by myself and I'm setting up my pit tent he was the man at the time racing for Factory Suzuki and I was putting up my tent by myself next to my high ace he comes over, doesn't know me, and just goes, "Hey man, do you need a hand?" Helps me put it. I'm like, I fucking know this guy. Like, I fucking John Porter. You, like, you're a fucking legend. Yeah. And it was just like a defining moment for me to just be like, "Man, what a legend!" I can't believe he yeah. took his time and he just helped me. And like, that is cool. Like, yeah, we can do that for one another and do that at the track. And and you can help people out. We can we can improve the experience for the people that may just be getting into it. And overall you know i think it's just the a it's the right thing to do but b i think it'll it, it can help us and help the sport in general yeah no i totally agree and I, i'm down to be the chief hippie officer for this foundation <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, awesome. I love it let's uh, just like just just start hugging people yeah, and track or something yeah just to track like, walk and hold hands that's yeah, it just, like all of us in a line <laughs> it's just gonna be like yeah we're just starting like a general feeling of love and and, and everyone that's at the moto world like, let's just start like giving them the shuckers and just being like yeah mate this is awesome isn't it like yeah, just that, get it, behind it yeah it has to happen and honestly like i feel like it is happening yeah it already is and like i think this is just gonna really like build on it and make sure that this becomes like because even at like a grommy level you know like we sort of got a as like the 
older dudes in the sport now like we got a the kids that are you know just got their p plates or like even the kids the fast kids on the 80s it's like we need to implant this shit into their minds as well that like man doesn't matter if you're fucking lapping everybody like you got to be cool to that kid because like that kid like you know me and sammy we go riding with fucking todd waters <laughs> exactly yeah, i'm not don't. i'm not even i can't <laughs> even fucking do his boot up like in terms of riding ability but it's like he still wants to ride with me and, and like we have fun together so even you know for the the parents that are taking it super serious with their kids it's like it, it ain't all about winning like there's going to be a point where like even if your kid is you know jet lawrence or hunter lawrence like they're still going to want to ride with their friends and it's like you, you there needs to be this like culture through the sport that we all fucking get along and, and everyone is like a valued member of the community like it's not just these fast dudes that and and that sort of i felt that growing up you know that like the f- it was all just the fast kids and yeah everyone totally. else it was like nah you're just making up the numbers like watch yeah, him totally. he's fucking he's he's really good and the thing too that i think a lot of kids probably don't have perspective on is like a lot of times the kids that are fucking killing it on the 80s and shit they don't even make it to the to the pros you know nah totally yeah totally they don't and um yeah, I just think overall, like, the community, it, it is a community, and we, we just want to build that. And you just want people to feel like moto is an epic lifestyle. It's an epic community. It's full of awesome people, which it is. You know, there is careers in it. You don't have to be a pro yeah. rider. To, you, you can have a career in this, which is fucking amazing opportunity. Like, you Look know, man, get into it. fucking idiot going. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. You're, fly, at you're flying like Neville Barthos. This like, is like, 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 this like, is four helmets in here. Friggin' like, like screens and lights. I don't lights, even use. Screens and lights and <laughs> epic equipment. <laughs> uh, so we've fixed that. How do we fix motocross? I mean, I think it's all part of the same thing, to be honest with you. I think mm. it's like, I think it's all part of the same journey. I think like it's, uh, you know, um, I, I think that the sport is, is actually awesome. I yeah. just think that, you know, it's getting the best people involved, you know, to continue to push it forward. I think that's honestly what needs to happen. It's a tough environment, but there's enough amazingly talented people in this yeah. industry to do exactly what needs to be done, 100%. So for the 2021 um, motocross championship, like no, um, without even looking back to any of the shit in the past, like what do you think we should be looking at in the future in terms of like, running a great Australian motocross championship again like what what would your suggestions be as a guy that has done so much on the supercross front um I mean if we were going to do it I, I think it, it is engaged the best people I mean to be honest it, like it, it is in still engaging with <laughs> the guys I've done with the logo <laughs> wow <laughs> it's engaged if it, I, I would engage the people that can do that have done and, and do it right you yeah. know I mean even though Kevin Williams isn't the promoter, if it was me, I'd be engaging with him for sure because I'd be wanting to learn what did you know what worked and what didn't work from you over the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, and I know they talk to Kevin, so I'm not sure what they what they do or don't learn from him there. So um, I think that um, it is just getting the best people and getting them involved. But again, you need to you need to bring people on the journey, which yeah. I think we we are doing with Supercross, and we have great partners and great sponsors and people that are behind the journey to make it continue to improve. And that's absolutely the key. You just yeah. need everyone pushing the same direction. And so, like, even logistically with, like, tracks and stuff like that, like, one of my one of my big things is that I hope in 2021 we go to, like, great tracks. Um, 
I also think that Perth has to have some kind of. I I think that there there should be two rounds in Western Australia, like back I back to back. Just keep it over there for a couple of weeks. Do like, I mean, I don't. I think it's something that the teams would have to obviously be spoken to about. Um, but I think that really to have like a national championship to have a guy like Regan Duffy from there Kyle Webster from there like we've it's such a represented part of the uh, motocross community and we don't go there in terms of and it's obvious why like I'm not you know naive yeah, com- to the fact a commercial that thing yeah yeah that it's quite hard to do um, but I think that there is a solution like we've done it before um, so yeah, I, I feel like that to me is like a big thing is going to Perth, involving that other side of the country. Um, and I just think tracks too, like the for tracks like Gum Valley to not want to be involved um, is like that's real disappointing to me when you've got like I've been everywhere, like motocross tracks all over the world. That place is fucking sensational in terms of the track and the the facilities that they've got obviously there's some logistical stuff with like you know cell service and and shit like that that would you know again there's sort of logistics but in terms of because like one of the things with ozx open like everyone in america watched it like we've got a huge audience of american listeners and while ozx was on it was like 46 percent of our audience was from the u.s so people want to watch our content and i think that's something that you guys did such a fucking good job at was creating this content that had global appeal and i think that that's what we need to do with motocross and i think that uh the mxgps this year has probably obviously we've got a bunch of aussies in there but their content like i got fucking sucked into watching a four minute clip on instagram today because they posted this battle between Prado and Caroli. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, like, that needs to happen, you know? It's yeah. like, I don't know that... I think that we've been, like, really obsessed with TV um, over the last few years and, like, Kevin tried with his live streaming and shit like that. And then I think that um, eliminates, like, yeah, Gum Valley, for example, because they've got... Um, they have a tough time with cell service. But to me, like watching what works for me watching what works for you guys is like this content like constantly even now man the ozx open or sx open um instagram is still posting content Mm, and it's so fucking important to do 100 percent. and it make it gives your series like this glow this global appeal and like to see um i'm imagining like 2021 motocross wanneroo Regan Duffy goes 1-1 probably in fucking both classes if he actually wanted to but to see Regan Duffy like a sick highlights clip of Wanneroo fucking epic track like that's our Lommel and it's like a torture chamber for these guys like I want to watch as a fan I want to watch that clip like I want that shit to hit my feed I know I will watch that and that is like this awesome representation of motocross in Australia and then same thing, Gum Valley, 2021. I see that and I don't know who wins that, but like they'd be fucking cool to watch. They've got the huge jumps there, big rollers. The sand's amazing. The scenery is amazing there. And then again, that to me has like global mass appeal. And then, you know, to go to tracks that don't 
give you that same sort of vibe and it's like there's it's not a, like it's not a knock like not every track can be a national caliber track it doesn't make it a, a bad track but i just think that for the series to really like build momentum really inspire people that it needs to go to these places that that are like inspiring to watch yeah i agree i think the i think the reality that is for it to grow and for it to get eyeballs it needs to be worthy of the eyeballs yeah. so the content needs to be everything you see and touch to do with it needs to be premium and it needs to be the best representation so i mean and i've said this to ma with regards to the tv i don't believe necessarily and konsky and i battled on it a little bit we we feel differently i don't think that television is necessarily the right move unless mm. you're at a premium venue that makes the sport shows the sport in its best light yeah um so if you're at a at a, a second rate venue and that may be all they can afford to go or whatever the reason is then I don't think that television is going to help because yeah. tele- television the great thing about television is it exposes to new eyeballs live streaming goes to known eyeballs it goes to the fans because they you have to click on the link and go to it you don't yeah. stumble across a live stream yeah well you do stumble across television yeah so if you're going to stumble across television and it is the Australian Motocross Championship it needs to be really premium yeah and it means that that's expensive for the broadcast but also like it means that um it's not just the broadcast the signage has to be spot on the track yeah. prep has to be spot on the the if you've just got paddocks in the background that doesn't look good either yeah so our opinion has been focus on um more highlight type content yeah. digital content behind the scenes type content things that can show the sport in its best possible light initially is yeah. what we think will get the eyeballs for it I, i'm totally in the like on board with that and i've sort of thought that same thing i'm like what what's the point of spending the money to do tv when it's like you kind of it's like you're scratching just to get it done Mm. And, and it's like if you it's it's like you film for your tv and you had like three cameras yeah and essentially that's what they're doing they've got like four fucking cameras and it's like okay it's sick it's on tv but are the people that are watching this going to be impressed? They're sort of not. Mm. And it's like, what's... And especially the live thing, because... The standard is high. Yeah. Oh, Expectations are high. Because you know of the mean? competition in the yeah, market. Exactly. Like, you're competing with, yeah, V8 supercars, the NRL. Like, there's even surfing, you know, like the production level mm. that, that those guys are doing. And, you know, like, it, it's got to come down to, like, even the... Like, dude one of the coolest parts of the Oz X for me was watching the broadcast post event and hearing Jason Wygant and Greg Rust on the same. So cool. Hey, Fucking I mean, that's a, insane. And, and that's, I mean, it's a great example of one of those one percenters we talked about, like having yeah. Jason Wygant costs more yeah. than just get, there's plenty of good Aussie people that can commentate, but you've got someone like him. He brings that credibility. He brings an international flavor and it's he's a, the and, voice. He, and he's an amazing talent. Yeah. And so it's a one percenter that we invest back into. But, I mean, the TV broadcast for Ozex Open is 150k plus expense for one day. Fine, one night, yeah. And, and like, we're able to commercialise it because it does give global and, and great, um, great global exposure and great exposure for our partners. Um, but, you know, it's also in a controlled environment, so it looks that good. The signage is, I mean, Sando will give him the credit for the signage. It was LED signage, which is the first time in Supercross history there's been LED signage like that. It was absolutely epic. Even in the AMA, huh? They don't do LED yeah. signage like that. This is like using AFL spec um, LED signage to rotate the sponsors through during the broadcast to give all our partners the best exposure. So that was like a world first. Mm. And um, 
but you know you can't do that in at Wanneroo. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can't. You, you won't. So you got to make sure that if you're going to do a broadcast, it's got to be it's got to it's got to be schmick, or else don't bother doing it. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, and I think that it, when you look at motocross, like the the fans of motocross, like. I'm not staying home on Saturday or Sunday to watch a live stream of a MX national race in Australia. I'm going fucking riding. Exactly. Like, exactly. Give, it, give it to me that... Give me the highlights. Yeah, give it to me that night and give me the good shit. Like, give me the juice and I'll be super stoked and I won't miss one of those. But, yeah. like, I'm missing every live stream because it's convenient. Like, I, I want to ride my bike and, you know, to scratch to just pull together this money to put together a, a product that is subpar and it's not through like it's not a knock on people but it's just not as good as like you're not spending $150,000 at Horsham to do a live stream of the MX Nationals so it's like if we can't do that so why don't we spend money to get like really good announcers let's get them in really good like attire let's make sure that they're on point let's get a set like the wsl build so like at every single event they've got like this scaffolding that's got like the tvs and a couch and then they've got riders coming in mxgps do that as well where they do like their round table stuff and just like fuck off the tv and just give us like dope content like mini podcast style stuff every single round with different riders and then that stuff is going on instagram as it happens like let's spend money there so that like because if we're at the track like we're on instagram going oh fuck ac just won the first moto like that's what we're all doing and we're like watching clips and we're watching the passes and we're like oh that i'm seeing zach osborne cross the checkers like that to me i think is where the money should be getting spent at at this stage of the championship so i hope for 2021 that they'll go to the better venues that look fucking good and they're going to guarantee that like it looks like a product that you would want to to see uh and then they take that money and instead of trying to push for the tv they put it into these like awesome as it's happening uh you know content that you know we can be at the track we can keep tabs of what's going on but we can also ride on the weekend as well yeah and if you're going to do a broadcast i, th- I think it's um <clears throat> it's hot hi- it's highlights behind the scenes and tell stories about who yeah everyone is i mean that that's what we do like what ame does at the supercar world we produce uh content for fox sports um called supercars life and we've we've been doing a series called inside supercar inside line sorry for supercars themselves on the walk and shore united team this year and and what that is for is just to tell fans who the, mm. the people are um because if you don't know much about the sport you don't know how much of a legend jackson richardson is or you don't know yeah. you don't know how hard those guys work you don't know how hard they train how fit they are how how hard it is to be a racer at that level if you were just watching uh, you know, we use Horsham as an example, but if you were just watching a half an hour moto and the track's ruddy and rough and, and like it's it's pretty boring, yeah. Like to someone that doesn't know anything about it, um, but if you really realise how hard it is to do that, or you actually were engaged with that person's story, be it one of those guys or someone, because you realise, holy shit, yeah. he's come back from a broken ankle. Oh my god, this guy trained so hard, or this or that, or whatever. Then you're more invested in the story and you're yeah. more likely to watch it. So 
that's the thing is like how do we tell the stories of who the who the Aussie guys are because they are incredibly talented like there, there's no doubt that the talent here is world class it's yeah. amazing so we're going to tell everyone how good they are how hard they work how fit they are because no one unless you've actually ridden motocross you know, people don't know how hard it is like that it is so freaking hard yeah. like it's ridiculously hard how they ride those tracks for that long I have no idea like yeah. it's, at that speed it's ridiculous yeah so we got to somehow convey that so that makes people interested and, and not just like respect what they do, but be impressed by it enough yeah. to want to keep watching it, I guess. And as dumb as it sounds, I've said it for as long as I've had the ability to say something about it, is build some big fucking jumps. I agree with that one. Every for sure. single national, wherever the most people stand, wherever the congregation is, Coolum was the best example of this as they built that fucking huge extension off the tabletop. The crazy part of it is they built it after the first turn. Yeah. They fucked up. That's that's a d- separate issue. But like on every single track, what gets people's dicks rock hard is a fucking huge jump, jump that they yeah. wouldn't jump. Yeah. Like you need exactly. to create this spectacle of like, I would never do that. Totally. And Couldn't agree more, for it, sure. And that is like not hard in my opinion. No, it's not. And 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 deep ruts and those things are ridiculously hard and and take so much talent and skill but for someone that doesn't know they don't realize how hard that is yeah you know what i mean so but a jump is just like instantly impressive like the content photos the videos standing there like you know a kid the kids are going to want to stand next to the jump 100 so just make sure there's jumps i couldn't agree it's just the sounds like it sounds so silly but it's real. it's i mean it can take work it takes earth moving equipment all that but if there was one thing that I would say that'll change the spectacle is just make sure there's jumps. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And what's the track in, like, what's the, every single track in America, you got LaRocco's Leap, you got the Sky Shot, you've got the Godzilla, like they brand these things. And it's like, man, LaRocco's Leap's the coolest fucking shit in the world. Yeah. No. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, every lap, you're just yeah. like, fuck, doesn't get old. I don't care how many times that you watch somebody hit that jump. And then in your head as a fan, you just play yourself like, fuck, could I hit that turn fast enough? If, if I had the nuts, like maybe, (laughs) you know, that's the sort of shit that you want to like, that gets your juices flowing. And like, even for me at MX farm, like honestly would go back to the track this weekend just to hit that triple. Mm. It's just so fun. It's so cool. It's like one of the most unique things about our sport is that you can take this fucking hundred kilo bit of metal and you can just send it into the air like it shouldn't really work and it does and it's so fucking cool Mm, and totally whatever it costs totally to get in an excavator and build up a lip and a landing that is safe and these guys can do it or just cut out the middle of a tabletop that's already there yeah i mean yeah i mean there's rules around it which i don't think should exist because i think they're ridiculous Um, and, and it's ridiculous that there isn't double jumps. There's rules to not have double jumps, for example, which is just insanity at times. I just yeah. don't, I mean, that's my opinion. I know it's insurance related, blah, 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 but that needs to be overcome. Yeah. But at a, cause at a professional level, if they can't, you know, like sometimes the most impressive jumps are actually easy. They, yeah. Like it can look amazing. Like the triple on a supercross track yeah. is the easiest jump on the track. Yeah. The rhythm and the whoops are the hard part. Yeah. So every rider will say the same thing, but that's the big jump that everyone wants to watch. Yeah. So, 
they can have the big jumps without it being dangerous is my point and it, and yep. it, and it will 100% change the spectacle well the triple MX on is a perfect example like that's an easy jump I jump that jump I'm not very good so like <laughs> you'd be good enough to jump it so but you know but it's not it's not that hard but it's like super impressive and it yeah. and then like you know you could lip that well you could just extend that landing out another probably 10 meters and like Todd and those dude, they would fucking send it off that thing but that's just such a spectacle and to to your point about the the rules around it i always uh use surfing as an analogy there there's not these guys at snapper rocks that are saying like sorry grommy not not until you're 15 mate you can't go surf snapper you gotta this is the line that you end it's like nah you're a kid and like we have world champion after world champion after world champion after world champion that come out of literally this spot right here why the waves are fucking sick the kids that come out of california like i watched a clip today on instagram of rider de francesco standing up through this rut like just fucking stupid the like how do you do that at 15 but it's like the facilities the facilities that that kid has had and like you know for me to go to rocky i did i was absolutely on struggle street like i'd ride around qmp on that track for ages you know like i could do 20 minutes around there and like i'm getting tired but i can stay out on the bike fucking rocky man i come in after practice and we're all sitting there just being like what the fuck are we doing like i actually can't do this like i'm not i can't can't do it but and like gibsy and todd all those boys were just like this is fucking legit like this is real rough and that's todd that's raced lommel yeah and i think that we need to understand that there's a difference between like rough and dangerous yeah totally and there's a difference between big jumps and dangerous and doubles and dangerous like Mm, dangerous can be Dangerous can be a two-foot tabletop with a super wet up ramp. Mate, a, a, a long rut down a straight is more dangerous than a big double, often. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you catch a foot peg and eat shit and that's where you get hurt. Or, or dust. Yeah. Dust. A track, a track that's dusty is more dangerous than big jumps every yeah. time. Like you go to ride, ride park as an example, and same with park four, have some big jumps. Like, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're not hard, but, but impressive looking jumps. But yeah. the track's prepped well. They're safe. They're super safe. So it can be done safely and it can be made to look incredible without needing to risk anyone or risk riders, etc. And I think that's part of base level entertainment. Have some jumps, yeah. have, the, have the guys standing on the. And I know, you know, from speaking to Kevin about this, because I would say the same, and I have said the same thing to him, the rules are what stopped him. And change that, the rules. Change rules the, we the can rules change need rules. to change, which yeah. I, I think they're working on and they have been working on for a while, but to do with insurance and whatever, you need to change it because you need, because it's not, you're talking about you can't have the same set of rules for beginners as for the elite Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's no different doing a supercross track you you have to have an endorsement to race that track so you can't it should be the same at pro motocross level the track is different to what the everyday beginner is going to go ride and it should be because you want to show them in their best possible light yeah and and I think that there's a double edged sword there that when you know guys like us we go to rocky like if we have rough tracks to practice on and to that are safe and are done well then it lifts the standard and then you know we want to talk about guys that can then feed in so that like we talk about oh fucking joss and brayton coming over here like give an aussie guy a chance it's like we can't ride that good 
Exactly, so like yeah. we, straight level straight yeah, up like let's help them ride better yeah exactly and, totally. and I, like you know you see these kids in America like I'd go ride a parlor and there's kids on fucking 60s jumping the dumbest shit and it's just like they don't know any different it's not dangerous to them no, no one I've never heard anybody in America say jumps are too big or they don't give a fuck they no. don't know any different yeah. and it's the same thing with surfing Mick Fanning's not like Oh, snapper's too big, eh? Like, he's like, fucking, I want it heaving. Like, give it to me as fucking big as it can get. Because he's grown Condition up like that. Yeah, as a seven-year-old, you can paddle out. Like, John John Florence, best surfer on planet Earth, surfing pipeline at 11. There's no one saying like, hey, man, sorry, you can't do it till you're 16. At 16, he's a fucking world champ almost. Mm. And it's like, that. that's the mindset that, people need to have and it's like I yeah insurance but we need to work around these rules like there yeah. has to be it's like okay there's rules right now just say no jumps no this no that let's change the rules to say if you have a jump it needs this this and this and it needs to be safe and then you, you know filters all the way through to coaching and to barriers for entry and it's like you, we we can do this in a way where everybody's fucking safe the level we keep pushing the level higher and higher that feeds into australian riders being able to take the top spot on a team being able to win races being able to win championship i think it's just this huge follow-on effect so yeah i guess that's the point it's it's there's no one thing that just yeah. needs to be done we don't just need someone to do this or we don't yeah. just need someone to do that but we've all got to play our part because as you know if we start improving the grassroots level like we talked about then those tracks are going to be better the riders are going to improve better they're going to be more conditioned to big jumps and whatever it may be and so therefore when they get to a pro level they're going to have lived and breathed it they'll be ready to go or they'll be ready to race overseas or whatever it is because they've grown up with that so um and at the top level you've got to show them you know to be as good as they are you've got to demonstrate how great they are because that's entertainment and that's what makes people appreciate how good they are but if you don't have any obstacles on a track that really let todd waters show how good todd waters is then he just looks like some dude riding around on a track and like you've got to really know to be able to tell the difference you know you need to make sure that the platform is there i guess for them to showcase their ability to the absolute best well, we just solved all of Motocross's problems. Just, just like that. We're going to leave. Let's the, go have a beer yeah, and yeah. celebrate and pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> Our work here is done. Uh, thank you very much, Adam. You are a very esteemed member of the Gypsy Gang. One of <laughs> Thanks, the OGs. Mate. Appreciate all of your time and uh, very glad that you're on the Goldie. Mate, loving it. Let's get out and go do some riding, hey? Yeah, let's have a surf too, actually. Let's do it. Done. Thanks, mate. Thanks, pal. Well done, Mr. Bailey. Thanks, mate. Always good to chat.